0: It's Logic and Larry. I'm your host, Larry Aluciato Crane. It's a Friday night, it's rainy. I'm broadcasting live from Newark, New Jersey, the heart of it, downtown. Looking out across Broad Street, Mulberry Street, Ironside, Newark, the new headquarters of Mars Wrigley. I can't see Manhattan cause it's foggy and rainy out. But I'm still sitting here with you over these smooth beats. Anything I say in this podcast is my own opinion. Personally, it does not reflect the opinion or the stance of any other entity at all. It's just me personally talking to you personally about what we're all going through personally. The songs you heard at the beginning of the podcast, that was me, the artist Deluciato, in 2010. Ten years ago in June of this year, 10 years ago. That was me on the 30 for 30 June Madness project back then. I was thinking about it today. There was a song that came on, the sample that I, the song I used for the sample and the second one came on and I thought to myself, hey, why don't I play some of my joints uh, in the beginning of the show for once. So I played those two gems, both from the 2010 project, both beats produced by me. And uh, I got stuff in the works for you too coming up soon, so that was just a preview of what I was doing 10 years ago. We had an eventful week this week, I think you all know, Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. I do want to let you know we got some guests on the show tonight. Uh, My boy Dan Spafford, who's an artist and a musician himself, uh, is going to come on and talk about... You know, kind of the Renaissance Man vibe and and what we can all do, despite the tumultuous societal and political times we have, and despite the COVID crisis and everything else, uh, kind of how he's coping and getting through. And, And I think a lot of us that listen to this show can relate, and I'm looking forward to having him on. We also have Sean Bracken coming on to discuss the polls, because, ladies and gentlemen, it's getting close to crunch time, as they say In the election and so I want to discuss the polls and see where we are now we also have early voting going on so obviously there's a lot to get to it's gonna be a good night I'm excited to be with everybody I apologize for last week's technical difficulties. It was a crazy situation. Uh, I wound up not even releasing that episode on Spotify or iTunes. So all of the listeners that usually download on Spotify or iTunes, those listening right now on Spotify and iTunes, I apologize. I hope you stayed with me. I will try to keep this up every week. That was just a little glitch and a little uh, step back. So that won't happen again. If you're on the show... Please get to work in the comments. Let's talk. Let's talk to each other while I'm talking. I think it increases the way the show goes. There's a lot to talk about so uh make sure you get those comments popping if you're listening now make sure you share the link live to your friends and followers if you're listening on spotify or itunes and you like the show go ahead and and post the link up on your social media and see if we can get some people tuned in because that's what our goal is here to expand the conversation to increase the dialogue to keep things going and the momentum popping as it were so this week We had quite the news cycle. Um, I wouldn't say that this was at the beginning of the news cycle. I would say this was midweek, but it seems as though it might be the best thing to tackle first. We had the New York Post publish the story on Hunter Biden. And swiftly and quickly, the various social media sites, namely Facebook and Twitter... Closed down and and kind of shut down that whole uh, the whole proliferation of that post story. And that post story was essentially that um, there was a hard drive from a computer that was recovered, um, and it was apparently either Hunter Biden, the son of Joe Biden's hard drive, or somebody who had access to different, you know, personal files, photos, things of that nature that were Hunter Biden's. In any event, uh, they purported to show an email, which wasn't an actual email. What it was was a, a screenshot or a photo of an email from some Ukrainian guy saying, you know, thank you for the opportunity to meet your father. And maybe tomorrow would work to be a meeting or something. Everything else was essentially Hunter Biden's business deals uh, none of which at this juncture seemed to be compromising in any way maybe just some silly uh, investment ideas and investment structures scribbled down on notebook paper and then a bunch of very embarrassing photos of Hunter Biden doing drugs drunk with probably hookers god knows what in the bathtub in the bed whatever else he was doing Uh, so that's what we had Um, the post (laughs) the post tried to release it like you know it said smoking gun email shows hunter Biden or whatever and Facebook and Twitter promptly shut it down now some background on this right the long-standing angle that the right has been trying to take with this Biden thing is that Biden pushed out a prosecutor in the Ukraine because that prosecutor was attempting to prosecute a company that his son sat on the board of. Now, the actuality of that story, which has been well verified, is that Hunter Biden did in fact sit on a board of a company based in Ukraine And Biden did in fact push out a prosecutor in Ukraine during the Obama administration. There's a sound clip from a town hall where Biden says, I told him, you push that prosecutor out, or I'm, you know, whatever. He threatened him to push the prosecutor out. The right has been trying for over a year now to try to insinuate that that soundbite insinuates, for lack of a better term, that Biden pushed the prosecutor out to help his son. But this has been widely, widely debunked, and the actual story has been told numerous times. The fact is that Biden was doing the bidding of the United States policy and the Western world, including various European and NATO nations. Various European and NATO nations And the United States wanted to get rid of the prosecutor in Ukraine, not because it had anything to do with Biden's son or anything to do with that company in particular. That company in particular was actually dormant at the time and wasn't really even doing business. The policy of the West was to get rid of that prosecutor because that prosecutor was actually weak on corruption and that prosecutor was actually enabling corruption. And that prosecutor was enabling oligarchs to control things in the Ukraine, and so when Biden bragged about pushing him out, that was him carrying out the policy of the Western world that had nothing to do with his son. Now when the Post published that article, their angle was, well, this proves that maybe somebody from the company maybe met with Biden, which proves that there's a smoking gun that he pushed the prosecutor out for his son. So we already know that's not why he pushed the prosecutor out. So that doesn't make any sense. Second, all we have is one email with bad English saying, thanks for the opportunity to meet your father. Maybe we could do it tomorrow. And then Biden promptly came out and said he never met him. There was no meeting. And even if he shook his hand or something like, oh, hey, how you doing? Uh, okay, how you doing, Serge? Nice, Nice to meet you. He, that was it. There was no meeting, no smoking gun, no nonsense. And now you have all these people out here posting just embarrassing pictures of Hunter Biden, you know, with a crack pipe, sleeping in the tub, this, that. Hunter Biden's not running for president. No one's ever said Hunter Biden didn't have a drug problem. No one's ever said Hunter Biden wasn't a little bit of a screw up. No no one's ever said that. So it's not a revelation. But the interesting thing that's happened now is that Facebook and Twitter swiftly moved to limit the dissemination of the article from the post. And, and, and the reason is there's currently an investigation going on now, and there have already been reports that Trump was warned back in December that Rudolph Giuliani, his personal attorney, who was the mayor of New York City, who had a great legacy until he tarnished the living hell out of it, working with Trump and appearing as an unhinged nut, on every news station that'll listen to him, that Rudy Giuliani was ripe for being utilized by Russian intelligence for spreading disinformation or from spreading hacked information from Russia that could influence the campaign. That was in December. Trump was told in December that Giuliani might be a catalyst for false Russian information to influence the election. And the fact is, Giuliani has been cozying up to, and we have photos, we have confirmation, cozying up to Ukrainian diplomats who are known oligarchs with known connections to pro-Russian initiatives, some of whom are verified by our intelligence community to be Russian operatives. When they talked to this alleged computer repairman who had the hard drive, the guy couldn't keep his story straight at all. He was babbling, rambling. He was a pro-Trumper. He had no clue what was going on. He was incoherent at most of the interview. So there's a lot of questions as to where this information came from and where this hard drive came from. Now, if you'll reflect back to 2016, we know that the majority of the emails that came out and they leaked them, you know, bit by bit by bit to damage Hillary Clinton. The majority of those emails were the result of a Russian hack on the Democratic National Committee, and then those emails were disseminated via WikiLeaks and other random uh, social media accounts and activists to damage Hillary Clinton to get Trump elected. Now, why would a foreign country want Trump to get elected? Well, simple, that foreign country obviously thinks that if Trump is in power here, that it's better for them and worse for us. That's a fact, you can't dispute it, that's how things work in human nature. So that is what happened in 2016, and that is what looks like is happening now, except now it's much weaker. No one really cares about what Hunter Biden was doing, if he was smoking, if he was hanging out with women, if he was sitting on a board. It does not implicate Joe Biden, It's nothing we didn't know, and it's silly stuff. Now, another story that came out today regarding this was that Steve Bannon, who was also apparently involved in this whole scheme, Mr. Breitbart, Mr. White Nationalist Xenophobe, Steve Bannon bragged to a Dutch television station months ago that he had a hard drive that contained embarrassing information about Hunter Biden. So we know that they've been holding on to this for a long time. And now Republican senators are incensed. They're calling out the Facebook CEOs. They're calling out the Twitter CEOs. They're saying, you will sit in front of us. We will subpoena you. You will answer for this. You are interfering with the election by not disseminating the post story." They're so mad all of a sudden that Facebook and Twitter, private companies, not subject to the First Amendment, are restricting access to faulty, suspiciously probably hacked Russian information. Now, I find that interesting, right? Because these are the same people that when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, said that the NFL was a private entity, and Trump called him a son of a bitch, and Trump said to get the hell out of the country... And many, many, many people on the conservative side of the spectrum said, well, Colin Kaepernick is not protected in his First Amendment rights because the NFL is a private entity. And since the NFL is a private entity, then he has no protection and they could decide what they want to let people do on their platform, which is football games those same people are now saying that private entities facebook and twitter don't have a right to decide what goes out on their platform it's a little hypocritical isn't it and not only is it hypocritical i think it's a little ridiculous that american senator american senators are angry that russian information that clearly was waited for a candidate to help their cause Was not allowed on the airwaves. How dare you, you know, thwart the Russian attempts to influence our election? How dare you? We love the Russians. I mean, (laughs) these people are a joke, right? Now, to stay consistent in myself and to not be a hypocrite, I've long said, I've long said, let's be honest. I've long said that the First Amendment protections in this country should extend to private entities that hold a quasi- I don't want to say quasi-governmental, but I want to say that have such a influence on the public, societal, and democratic dialogue that they should be subject to First Amendment protections. I think things like the NFL, I think things like Facebook, like Twitter, should be susceptible to First Amendment protections the same way the government is, right? And I've long said that, so I don't want to be a hypocrite and, and and change my position. I think Facebook and Twitter should have some standards. And I think the NFL and other quasi-governmental or huge mechanisms allowed to operate by the government via federal you know, use of airwaves, federal tax benefits, things like that, should be susceptible to First Amendment protections, right? However. While there should not be a restriction on personal opinion, and there should not be a restriction on political uh, opinion or debate, there certainly should be in place on any platform, be it YouTube, be it Facebook, Twitter, be it the NFL, be it what have you. There should be a restriction on false information or information that may be deemed illegal, and information that was obtained via a Russian hacking job that is not verified, that lacks veracity, should certainly be restricted from any platform, as should conspiracy theories that are patently false, as should fake news. Because on the one hand, we should protect free speech across platforms that have such a heavy influence on our public dialogue because free speech is essential to our democratic process, right? On the other hand, right, speech that is purposefully and patently misleading or false tends to pollute and degrade and destroy our public dialogue and destroy and degrade our democracy and democratic process. And so that type of information should be restricted. We should not allow the proliferation on a free for all of just patently false information. And to that end, YouTube this week, YouTube this week actually said that they were going to restrict videos relating to QAnon. Because QAnon has the propensity to cause actual violence. And QAnon is a dangerous conspiracy to the point that you have candidates for state and candidates for federal office Running for things on the basis of being QAners. Okay, that's what they call themselves Qanners. That is completely antithetical to our entire democratic process and our entire Idea and principle as a nation. Okay, so that should 100% be regulated and kept off the airwaves now at this juncture despite my political beliefs or what i think is right at this juncture the fact is facebook and twitter are not bound by the first amendment so far as i can tell unless it's involving unequal treatment just like TV networks cannot turn down political ads or cannot turn down one side and not the other, etc. Perhaps there's a mechanism to make them susceptible. But from where I'm standing at this juncture, they're private companies. And at this juncture, I applaud. I applaud Facebook and Twitter for deciding as actors closely bound to the United States of America who derive their success and derive their well-being from the United States of America. I applaud them. For saying, you know what, this nonsensical non-story that's irrelevant, and that has no veracity, and that very well may be false, altered, or forged, and that very well may be the doings of a Russian campaign to interfere with our election, I'm going to thwart their ability to disseminate this information. I applaud Facebook and Twitter. I applaud Facebook and Twitter for putting their foot down for once and saying, not on our watch. Not on our watch. We are not going to allow this to take hold. We are not this time going to allow a Russian hack job to influence our election. I applaud that. And I think it was a great thing. Now you see it's really a non-story. And the only people that seem to be constantly reporting on it and kicking and screaming and keep trying to get something out of it is Fox News and the New York Post. Fox News and the New York Post. It's all you see. They won't stop trying to talk about it, but it's already yesterday's news and it wasn't a big story because no one cares and it's a non-story. Okay? Period. Period. I'll tell you the truth. There was a, a woman, a young lady who I've known for years. Years. In person. I know her personally for years. She she's, doesn't live in Jersey anymore. She's from Newark. She came back to Newark to visit me. She stayed at my apartment with me. I had a romantic interest in her. We, we talked. We've been out, you know, things like that. She had the audacity to send me the video about the SEAL Team 6 nonsense conspiracy, whatever that crap is. And I got so aggravated with her, <laughs> the fact that she believed that crap, that I straight up cut her off. I cut her off on social media. I stopped talking to her. She's done. She's done to me. That's how serious I take it. Don't fall for nonsense. And if you are susceptible enough to fall for that crap, you ain't no friend of mine. And you're certainly no friend of the United States. And you're certainly no friend of justice and truth and humanity. So get the hell lost. Okay? Get lost with that crap. Don't bring that crap to me. I don't tolerate it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Period. Now, imagine, though, the writers at The Post, Steve Bannon and all the people behind it, Rudy Giuliani... The red hats that all supported this, that were all excited about. Imagine that they held on to this information. This is what's funny. They held on to this information for months. They've had this information for months, and they're just waiting like, oh, when's the time? Donnie's losing. He he sucked in the debate. You know, the polls are not in our favor. Can't wait to release that. Wait till we release it. As soon as we release it, oh, we're going to get him. Biden's never going to see it coming. Oh, we're going to get him. (laughs) and then they get their print all ready and they come up with the best headline and they get ready to say, smoking gun email, like drop it, like drop it now, like you're dropping a great song. Smoking gun today, smoking gun, Biden email. And then then the news story just goes nowhere. It's just blocked. No one cares. It's a non-story. Like, you were so ready for this. They were so ready to drop this. Like, it was going to be the decisive October surprise everybody was waiting for. And then just... Just nothing. Nothing. I mean, imagine those guys. How frustrated must they be? How frustrated must they be? And and they should be frustrated, right? Because let's look at the election where it's going. I mean... So we had the uh, town hall last night. So, first of all, we're going to talk to Sean in a little bit, too, about the whole, you know, uh, the polls and everything, the way it's going. It looks like the swing states, you know, in the north. And I'll save this conversation for Sean because he's really much more of an expert and much more in tune to this stuff than I am. But it seems like Biden's ahead in a lot of the polls, right? So then the COVID thing happened with Trump. And so, first of all, he wouldn't even admit yesterday when he got a test. He wouldn't say if he got tested the day of the debate or not. As we know, the commission said they were operating on an honor system that night, that the candidates were supposed to get tested that night. And, you know, they couldn't check it officially, so it was up to the candidates to adhere to the honor system and say, look, I got tested, or I didn't get tested, or et cetera, et cetera. And look, Biden got tested. He said, I got tested that day. I I held up my end of the, the responsibility. Trump, on the other hand, when pressed last night, when did you get tested? Because you were positive a day later, two days later. Did you get tested the day of the debate like you said you did? He didn't give an answer. said, well, I get tested all the time. You know, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I could have. I could have. Who knows? Did I get tested? Did I not get tested? I don't know. You can ask the doctors. They'll tell you whether well, I got tested. Or not. Look, anybody who doesn't know, quote, if they got tested the day of the debate, didn't get tested the day of the debate. So by so... On an honor system between two men who are running to for the president of the United States. The president of the United States, who was operating on an honor system to get tested. It looks like he didn't get tested and lied and said he did. Not that we think it's surprising that Trump lies, but it's just glaring. It's like, geez, he lied about that even, and he's still lying. Anyway, because he tested positive for COVID the commission on presidential Debates said well look what we're going to do is we're going to make this debate uh virtual it's going to be a virtual debate it was supposed to be i think this past wednesday could have been thursday i'm not sure but it was definitely this past week we're going to make the debate virtual right trump scoffed at the idea his line was that you know biden's just scared you're protecting him meanwhile the time they had the debate it was the biggest swing towards biden in the entire election cycle. Trump universally, by any objective viewer, did horrible in that debate, horrible. So that was silly. But he said, I'm not doing the debate. So promptly Biden then scheduled a town hall on ABC uh, and scheduled it for eight to 9.30. And subsequently then Trump decided he was gonna schedule a dueling town hall on um, NBC from eight to nine. So that, that occurred. Now I didn't watch the Trump show. And I, because it's the same stuff over and over again. I know there's going to be no substance. I know it's just going to be him spitting nonsense. I didn't didn't feel the need to watch it. I wasn't going to watch either one of them, to tell you the truth. I was going to just play some Red Dead Redemption 2 on the PlayStation and just chill out and just take my mind off it. My blood pressure goes through the roof way too much with politics as it is. I wasn't going to watch it. But I did wind up tuning into the last hour of the Biden uh, town hall. And I obviously saw highlights of the Trump town hall. Now look, it was so obvious and evident that we were there was such a contrast between the two people. Now, whether you love Biden or not, whether you love his policies or not, and, I, and quite frankly, I like his policies, right? Because I'm a left of center type person, so I think those policies make sense objectively. And you all know I call out the left. I mean, I can't wait if this election ends and Biden becomes a president and Trump's finally out of the picture or whatever. Either way, you know I'll go back to, you know, squaring off against the left. Seems like the only thing the left cares about half the time is just crime and criminals, not victims of crime and and nothing else. So you know I have a problem with them. I'd like to talk to them about ideas. But now is not the time. Look, Biden's encompassed and incorporated a lot of things that are important, including climate change, which I think is important. Environmental issues, which I think are important and a lot of Americans think are important. Uh, Issues regarding race, issues regarding crime, issues regarding the rights of LGBTQ people. Uh, There's a lot in his platform that although it's centrist, does incorporate a lot of considerations and concerns of the left. And I think it's an interesting platform. Now, whether you agree with his platform or not, right, whether you agree with his platform or not, you cannot be an objective adult thinker and not say you cannot be an objective adult thinker and say that Biden's town hall was not substantive or was not beneficial to the viewer. The fact is that watching Biden's town hall, you got a real glimpse at his policies, right? You got a specificity that has been elusive up to this point in this campaign. And that Trump is elusive about every time he touches the microphone. He talked specifically about what he thought went wrong with the 94 crime bill specifically about provisions that the feds had laid out that the localities did not adopt or adopted in different ways that resulted in, you know, discriminant prosecutions of people based on race, right? He discussed the fact that he thought it was a mistake because of the way it was implemented. He was very personable speaking to voters. He discussed getting creative with climate change, the fact that the amazonian jungles absorb more carbon than the united states puts out or at least some semblance of it and that we should be thinking creatively as far as building uh planting things and creating forests and protecting forests and things of that nature to help absorb things he was also honest as any centrist objective thinker should be And he said that the Green New Deal aspects of it were unrealistic because you need a transitionary period. And you need a transitionary period to get from where we are now to where we want to go in terms of net zero emissions. And he discussed the specificity of a timeline and how he would do that. He discussed... How implementing green infrastructure, upgrading our high-speed rails, upgrading our uh, factories and our power plants to be more in conformity with a environmentally friendly and a climate change friendly um agenda would create jobs, right? Because if we're going to convert factories, or we're going to build new trains, or we're going to you know, build more cars that are more environmentally friendly, we are going to need people to build those things. We are going to need people to do those things. And so that is going to create jobs. He was very specific about all these things. He stumbled here and there, but he's an older guy, and he has a speech impediment problem as far as stuttering. So he's going to stumble a little bit. Anybody who watched that, and and if you're a Trump supporter who didn't watch it, I encourage you to go back and watch the highlights, right? Because, again, like I always say on this show, you don't have to come tell me what you thought, but for your own mind, for your own objective mind, go take a look at it and tell me that he's incoherent, because he's not, and tell me that he's not making some points, because he is. But on the other side, from what I saw in the highlights, on the other side, with Trump, You had a guy who, she asks him, do you denounce QAnon? Which is this absurd conspiracy? I'm not going to go through the ins and outs. Rick's explained it. We've explained it before. It's absurd. Flat out asks him, do you denounce? He says, I don't know much about it. I don't know much about it. I don't know anything about QAnon. Then proceeds to say, I know one thing. They're very against pedophilia. Like, you obviously do know about QAnon. Otherwise, how would you know about their stance on pedophilia? You know about QAnon. You do. Don't say you don't know about them. You just don't want to denounce them. And the reason you don't want to denounce them is because you think they're your fans, and they are your fans. And all he cares about is who his fans are and what his support is. He doesn't care about... Whether they're actually a legitimate thing, whether they have the propensity to cause violence, whether they're polluting and desecrating and spreading excrement over the entire societal, social dialogue of the country, he doesn't care. He just doesn't want to denounce anybody who likes him, same way he couldn't denounce the Proud Boys. He can't denounce anybody who's his fan, so he didn't denounce it. And on his side, it was just stumble, stumble, stumble. Now, was she holding his feet to the fire a little bit on that town hall? Yeah. On the Biden Town Hall, I mean, they weren't going crazy like on Trump, but it's a different guy, right? You don't have to press Biden the way you press Trump, because Biden doesn't say the same outlandish nonsense, and Biden doesn't say the same crap, and he doesn't attack you the same way that Trump attacks the media. So obviously, it's going to be a different vibe. And I think to any American, it was evident that the vibe was different, and it makes sense that the vibe was different. And just like the first debate, now these red hats, these red hats are saying that the only reason Biden did well is because he was, you know, in an environment where he was getting softball questions and that's why he was so coherent and good. Basically, when you say when you start saying instead of, hey, Biden screwed up, when you start saying, well, it was easy, You're conceding he did well, and now you're trying to find reasons why he did well, but it's not legitimate. So you're already past that concession. Now you're conceding he did well, but you're trying to explain why he did well. You've already lost at that point. You've already lost. And somebody, a Trump staffer, referred to the Biden Town Hall as Mr. Rogers, like she's watching Mr. Rogers, which was a backfire, because that's a positive connotation, isn't it? That's a positive connotation. Oh, you're watching Mr. Rogers. That's a positive connotation. So that backfired in her face. Obviously, if you're watching Mr. Rogers, that's warm and heartfelt. People want to watch Mr. Rogers. So that didn't work out well. Most surprisingly about these dueling town halls, most surprisingly was the fact that Biden, so Trump was broadcast on NBC, and Trump was also simulcast on msnbc and cnbc so he had technically three different channels three different channels broadcasting his town hall and biden only had the one all he had was abc and abc's main channel that's it that's all he had channel seven here in new york that's all he had and biden beat trump on television audience by a million viewers he had 14.1 and Trump had combined 13.1 This, as of this evening. So Biden beat Trump in the ratings, too. Beat him in the ratings. And a lot of people are surprised by that because they figured, hey, even if people don't like Trump, they're going to tune into Trump just to see the disaster, just to see the entertainment, just to see how crazy it gets. But at the end of the day... Actually, more people tuned into Biden. And I think the reason they tuned into Biden over Trump is... I think people know what they're getting with Trump. I think if you're entertained by Trump, that's fine. You're entertained by him. I think if you detest Trump, you detest him, and that's it. But I think Americans, actually, the majority of the objective adults in this country and the objective adults who are voters in this country and who care about their future, care about the future of their children, care about the economy, care about beating this virus, care about their life and their livelihood just want to see what biden had to say about him being president wanted to see what he had to say about his you know potential policies we're curious to hear a substantive discussion on what might happen if he were to take the white house and there's a fatigue out there with the hollow entertainment that is trump and there are more and more people who want to actually understand what's going on and actually wanna have a discussion and hear from an adult about what we can do with this country going forward and how we can get to a better place and how we can tackle actual issues that we have. And we have issues, we have issues. COVID being the, at the forefront, but then we have the race issues, we have the policing issues. We have all kinds of issues that we have to tackle and they've pretty much been thrown to the side because Trump's just the side show. You see these Trump rallies and I think a lot of people are saying, well, Trump's so much more, his base is more enthusiastic. And the reason they say that is because he's at these rallies and at these rallies, these people are fanatics, right? They, they show up from miles away, they're fanatics, they, they tailgate outside the thing like it's a concert and they go in and cheer. And I've talked about this on podcasts previously, right? His shtick is he gets up there and he entertains. He does, like, basically a stand-up routine on liberals. And these red hats, these red hats jam in there and they cheer and and jeer and, and scream and yell and dance and drink and sell merchandise. And it's like a concert. He has fans. And he may have enthusiasm amongst these fans, But I think the rank-and-file John Q and Jane Q American Citizen, I think their concerns are not this entertainment-based fanaticism that these red hats have. I think that they just want to elect a president to tackle the issues that we face. And I think if there is any kind of enthusiasm gap, I think that's the reason for it. I think that's where it's derived from. I don't even know if there is an enthusiasm gap per se. We see these long lines for this early voting across states. So we know that there is an enthusiasm on both sides. And I think turnout might be a record this time around. Several states are contested. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But this is where we are. This is where we stand in this race. I think the Hunter Biden attempt was because this was a time that the Trump campaign felt there were three weeks to go. They were behind in the polls. Maybe they could try to alter the dynamics of the race um, by throwing this Hail Mary up there. I don't think as of now that it worked in their favor. But this is where we are currently uh, in the election. And it's interesting. My biggest thing is, look, I'm a centrist citizen, okay? That's, that's a fact. I have voted in my life for Democrats and for Republicans. And the fact is that I cannot fathom on any objective level why people would still be totally sold on Donald Trump at this juncture. It just seems irresponsible. It just seems like if your primary objective is to stick it to liberals or whatever, or just to laugh at somebody at a concert, rather than try to get our country to a spot and a place of normalcy where we can tackle our problems, that there's got to be some kind of issue with your objectivity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There has to be. And the contrast that we saw in the town halls was so evident and so undeniable that I don't think. There's really any way out of acknowledging it. And as we get closer to the election, I think we're all acknowledging it. Now, will this country hold true to that sentiment and make a change at the top come November? I don't know. Is this country comprised primarily of people who believe things like QAnon, who subscribe to insane conspiracy theories, and a rampant uh, mass hysterical propensity to just go with the whims of those around them and loose notions that appeal to their cultural proclivities? Maybe. Or are we a nation that's a thinking nation that has a public dialogue, reads the news, reads the facts, and can make objective judgments as adults? That's the other side of the coin, right? And you've seen so many Republicans come out and say either, A, I'm voting for Joe Biden straight up, or B, I'm writing in somebody any other than Trump, or I do not condone or endorse Trump. You're seeing so many people like that. I've never seen that many people from one party go against their party's nominee since I've been alive or at least since I've been paying attention to elections uh, as a political science major, as an attorney, uh, as a private citizen, I have just not seen it. I have not seen it. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see, and I I really do wonder how it's going to turn out. You see record turnout in some states. Now, I don't know if that that turnout may even out later, right? It might even out to the point that, look, it was only because of COVID that we had such an early turnout. Or that turnout could be indicative of a massive record turnout overall in this election. And we are going to see that at some point, obviously, after Election Day. Now, we could be in a world post-November 3rd where, because we saw today, right, that Pfizer, Pfizer has said that it plans, if all goes well, it said, if all goes well, Pfizer plans, if all goes well, on applying for an emergency license to distribute a vaccine in the coming months for COVID. And so that would be huge, assuming everything checks out with their trials currently going on. Pfizer could be distributing a vaccine come Christmas time we could be on our way to new leadership in america come christmas time we could be finally looking at the end of this tumultuous and dark 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 time in our history come christmas time and what better time to be on such a trajectory i ask you there's very few times or better times to be on that trajectory than christmas time so Close your eyes and picture that. That's something that could certainly happen and I hope uh, most of us are on the same page and hoping for that. So that's uh, that's on the horizon or we could have the same leadership which you know what people are free to, to vote how they want. I'm a private citizen, you know I can only tell you objectively what I think. I can't be out there stumping for a candidate or donating to a candidate or anything. So you never know we could have a... Uh, the same leader, but hopefully then we still have the COVID vaccine. Let's hope for the better option of those, right? Now, speaking of the election, you know how this is going to go. I want to bring Sean on. Um, I definitely want to discuss these polls and, uh, you know, everything I get and all the feedback I get about Sean's always good. So let's get him on the on the air here and let's talk about the polls. I'm uh, just waiting for his call, and then we're gonna have Dan come on, and I think it's it's gonna be a good show because you know what? I'm also looking forward to having your calls. So here's Sean. Sean, what's up, buddy? Sean, hey, can you hear me? How are you tonight? How are you, brother?
1: I'm good. I'm good.
0: All right. Good so to talk to you tonight. yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk to you. It's been uh, what three weeks now? Maybe two weeks? I think three weeks, Sean. I yeah, I
1: think it's been three weeks. Yeah. Uh, October the 1st, I think, was the last
0: time we talked. So that's that two or three weeks. Yes. So, Sean, instead of asking you a direct question first, I have plenty of them to ask you. But as of now, you just start riffing. I mean, what's on your mind regarding the polls, the election? Obviously, we're in the thick of it. There's a lot going on. I've been paying attention, not nearly as much as you, but a little bit. So I got questions. But, you know, what's, on, what's the first and foremost thing on your mind regarding the polls right now?
1: Two things, and and I'll touch base on on both of them. Um, first off is is the fact that I mean that as we head into October and we're getting close because we have like two to three more weeks till election day. Obviously, we have that natural occurrence where stuff is is closing in a little bit. Yes. In the polls, like I mean, we I mean that happens every election. It's it's normal. And I just want to tell the viewers that, too. Like, it, it's normal that it gets a little bit closer before election, before election Day. I mean, so we're starting to see that, although the national polls show it's still a pretty wide Biden lead, but the swing state polls are, are a lot tighter. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that's, like, the, the first big thing. But the second big thing is, and this is obviously, like I said, less than three weeks to ago to Election Day the big problem for the president right now and donald trump is that is that as of now and and if you take the if you assume that joe biden went every state hillary clinton got donald trump is still short and joe biden would be elected president right now just because again and i look at the margin error it's four percent but but there the three states in the, in the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, continue to be um, at least five, six, seven points in the, in the average right now. So, Donald Trump would not win the presidency if the election were held today.
0: Got you. So now, regarding those Rust Belt states, we, we know that if Biden holds every state Hillary had and then wins those three Rust Belt states back, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, then he wins what i've seen is uh two questions really number one it seems to me like wisconsin and michigan seem like the polling has been fairly consistent that biden has a strong lead is that correct
1: oh yeah that is is correct those those states are like six to seven um, according to real clear politics um wisconsin they have it as 6.3 and then michigan 7.2 there's Those states are looking very unlikely for Donald
0: Trump at this point. Got you. Now, Pennsylvania, there's been different polls that say different things, although all of them seem to give Biden a considerable edge. In your opinion, since you've been watching him so closely, is there— Significantly more volatility in Pennsylvania, or is it looking more like it's Biden leaning? Uh, what and you live in Pennsylvania too, especially Western Pennsylvania in an exurb of Pittsburgh, which makes you even more situated anecdotally to look at. I mean, how do you see Pennsylvania right now? How volatile is it? And how or how steady is it? Well, I mean,
1: obviously Pennsylvania. There has been different polls like all over the place. I mean, and. And that and that's what has made Pennsylvania kinda of interesting and in everything. But is there I mean you have those polls like like last week, like you had the a poll from an A plus pollster, um, the Monmouth University poll that had a double digits for Joe Biden. Right. And then a couple of polls like out this week. shows kinda of like closer to like five points. So I mean there is definitely like a lot of differing um, Data here in Pennsylvania, but I feel like that. I mean, especially because while well, our state, I mean, the average right now is five point six. Right here in Pennsylvania, and if I was to guess, I mean, that's probably pretty accurate of where I see Pennsylvania right now. I see it as kind of like a five to six point um, Joe Biden advantage right now. Just, just kind of, just kind of like my gut feeling right now. Looking at polls and, and just just kind of like, I mean, I've been kind of like reading different posts about like the, the Philadelphia area. Right. Keeping an eye on like on those suburbs around Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which continue to show very strong um, Joe Biden or very anti-Donald Trump um, feelings, depending on your point of view. And I've, and I've always said like if, if Donald Trump is really... Not doing well in those in their suburbs in Philadelphia, then it's going to be a very tough gotcha. for Donald Trump to win. But I mean, it's still probably closer than Michigan and Wisconsin. Gotcha. But it's still like I would say that it's probably when you average all the polls up. I mean, five. Six sounds pretty good, actually. I feel like it is like a five-six point race here.
0: So now, Sean, too, and, and based on your knowledge, even in previous elections of, of Pennsylvania, in twenty eighteen specifically, and just generally, and and, and traditionally, right. Uh, are those Philadelphia suburbs, both because of their population and because of their swing nature, Are, is that kind of the bellwether, right? Like, A, a let me ask you a two part question. A, is that the bellwether for how the state's going to go? And then B, in 2018, did Pennsylvania show a propensity to swing back blue? Well, the, I would
1: consider the bellwether, well, in pennsylvania i i actually picked like two bellwethers mm-hmm. Now a lot of the media is saying beaver County's the bellwether i really don't think it is it's actually a, a small county it's a suburban pittsburgh county but i pick out erie and i pick out Scranton. It's okay like your two bellwethers like i feel like however those go is is how the state goes usually like those are your two areas to really watch
2: right now looking at 2018 if you actually um
1: um remember and recall 2018 uh, pennsylvania like in the statewide um races
2: actually was a bigger blowout um, right statewide for in, in favor of the democrats and even
1: michigan and wisconsin were now Of course part of it were the candidates i mean the candidate selection by the republicans was terrible right um for the statewide offices for senate and governor so i mean that could have definitely played a part of that but and then of course like the house races just kind of felt like dominoes like they're like right there are several um congressional um races that fell to the democrats in 2018 I mean, a large part of it was the Philly suburbs actually in redistricting, which was a, a, a big
0: thing in that election. It makes sense. But, I mean, but I mean, uh, to, to really
1: hurt back on the point, though, like, I mean, those two bellwether cities in 2018 did vote for the Democratic candidates. Erie County went back to Democratic, and Scranton went back to Democratic, and that whole, like, Lehigh Valley area. Which is kind of mostly Rust Belt in nature, as well as Erie, like those um, swung heavily back to the Democrats. And it looks like that they're kind of leaning in that direction again. But I mean, it, it's harder to tell where those um, areas are going. Like, I, I feel like, again, like if, if those are going Democratic, then you're going to start to see, um, like I said, Pennsylvania just kind of go out of reach. Interesting. The only thing keep, keeping like Trump alive in pennsylvania and i put that in quotes because again i think he's behind here is that we don't really know how these places like in the lehigh valley from Scranton, wilkes bear allentown like how they're going to vote or even out here where where i am like where erie is going to vote so i mean those would probably be like your areas to watch and, and like and and because they swung so heavily back to the Democrats in twenty eighteen, like the state was a total blowout.
0: Right. So the state was a blowout in twenty eighteen for the blue and those two bellwether counties went blue. And and as you're standing there now looking at the polls and being on the ground, you're saying as of now it really does look like Biden is in the lead and the blue is in the lead at this juncture
1: i definitely i definitely would would agree with that and again i would say probably about five to six points would be my guess
0: interesting okay Um,
1: it's it's not as big as like 2008 but it's but it's kind of like what it normally is like it's usually like a five-point race in the presidential election so
0: makes sense okay so now that's the rust belt now we know that if he holds the rust belt and everything else then he wins so that's an interesting way to place to be with so i mean we're less than 3 weeks out now let's talk about i want to ask you about the southeast right and and i and three specific states but they're totally different as we know right so the 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 first two and i'm sure you know if you got to break them down into one at a time that's fine too because they both have a lot going on but north carolina which seems to look like it might flip blue again and then georgia and and are they similar are they totally different and i want and and sean if you have the data i know there's been a lot of early voting going on and ballots returned. if that plays in any way to your analysis let us know too because now we have some of that these eastern exclude florida for now because that's a different animal but north carolina and georgia are you seeing anything there where are they leaning is the early voting indicating anything what's your take on those two states in
1: Georgia, we'll start there. I mean, Georgia continues to be a state that just completely shocks me, and I'll, I'll be quite honest with you there. Like, considering that state is where it is at this juncture and how close this state is as of October, like, 16th or whatever today is, mm-hmm. um, that is a huge surprise, considering the usually Georgia solidly Republican. Right. Minus like ni- 1992 is the last time it it voted for a Democratic president. Like that's how long ago that
2: was. Right. And I mean that's like almost 30 years. So, so you're
1: so the fact that it's this close now, like I mean that's that's just that's not a really good sign for the for the for the president and 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 his um, campaign team because because. They usually have that lockdown and more you um, bring up the early vote, and it's it's really important that you did because in just like a few days of voting, um, well, I think this is like four or five days of voting. Like you, there's already been a million votes cast. Wow! In Georgia, it's like I mean, that's, it's, it, I mean it's crazy. The only thing I would say about Georgia is it doesn't break down the party and who's voting by party gotcha I can't really give you an indication there but this based on like reports I've seen and and I have a, a friend who means libertarian in, mm-hmm. in like in the Georgia area but he's, he even like sent an article saying like I mean, it's the suburbs of Atlanta or their heavy turnout right now so whichever way they're going and and the speculation is is, is if if biden were to be competitive in georgia he needs to do really well in those atlanta suburbs and right now turnout is really high there so what that means i really don't know but Mm -hmm. but i mean the polling indicates like and that's like the biggest shocker is is right now like if you put the average together in georgia it's like it's like a about one percent in favor of Joe Biden right now. Wow. In Georgia, which is wow. A, yeah, total shock.
3: Total mm-hmm. shock.
1: And it's just the fact that it's even competitive. Like even if like Joe Biden was behind like one or two points in Georgia, I'd still be I'd still be flabbergasted. So, right. I mean, it's it's a state that's really surprising me. Um, and to bring up North Carolina, we actually do have some data like early vote. In terms of like the the partisan breakdown, and right now, in-person voting, and they started their early vote. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's about 160,000 Democrats who voted compared to 90,000 Republicans. Interesting. Which is kind of like a 48% nearly to 27% breakdown there, and then and then the Independents make nearly a quarter of the vote so however they're going that that's going to be like the interesting key and a lot of polls lately have shown that that the unaffiliated vote is leaning towards joe biden so joe biden probably is slightly ahead and a lot of the polling like you said is actually showing a slight biden advantage there the only thing different about north carolina Georgia is that North Carolina has been getting closer through the years like Obama won in 2008 right and even in 2012 and 2016 the margin in North Carolina was actually only like two three percent so North Carolina is getting closer as you have like an influx of new people moving into the state so the state's getting more diverse and there's more different people living there, so North Carolina is definitely becoming a true swing state. Uh, in a way, it's kind of similar to Florida in a way, even though Florida is a different animal. Like right, you said, but, right, but, but, but I mean, North Carolina, in a way, is becoming a swing state where, as Georgia, I still thought Georgia had many years to go before it reached right. that status so now um, just because it's a republican yeah
0: so those two states do you see either one of them or both of them as leaning a certain way or are you completely like they're both toss-ups is north carolina a toss-up but georgia's still red i mean what do you what do you think just by the data at hand i know it could change next week but as of now how do you see those two states well as of now
1: i would, i would have to be honest i would I, I rank Georgia now as a true toss-up. Like I have, I have changed my opinion on that. Wow.
3: From the last
1: time we talked, I still thought it would kind of go towards Trump a little bit in the same way Texas did, because Texas is definitely moving towards Donald Trump now. But right. But Georgia has not moved, and and I just I have to look at the data and I have to be honest and say that that is probably a true toss-up. I can't. I don't really have a strong feeling. Either way, on Georgia, yet because I don't know exactly who's voting. It just tells you like a number of how many people voted, but we right. don't actually know like who's voting and what what the party breakdown is or like demographic breakdown or even age breakdown. So, or at least not that I could see right. on, on the side I have up. So it's just kind of like an open guess right now. And it just kind of like it goes back to the supper. And how, like Cobb County, is gonna vote, and like how there's places outside Atlanta are gonna are gonna vote because we know Atlanta will be heavily Democratic, and then you have the rural part of Georgia, which will be Republican. So then it's just kind of like, okay, where is the suburbs gonna go? And that I really can't tell. Although it does look like it, when you ask about North Carolina, mm-hmm. I would say right now, um, I would say it's a toss-up. But I would say it's kind of like you you get that feeling just when you look at like all the polls that were listed like donald trump is not in a single poll in north right. carolina it's actually been joe biden who's had a lead and the average is 2.7 for joe biden so i would say i mean i would probably predict a a north carolina victory right now but but again it's i would say that's pretty much a toss-up as well it's, it's pretty
0: close okay so now north carolina are you ta- like since since are we talking the last month are we like since joe biden's been leading every poll in north carolina how long has that trend been going on uh it's, it's been going on since we last
1: talked. it's been going on about
0: a couple of weeks wow okay that's so so you're saying that could be in biden's column but it's still a true toss-up that makes sense so yeah, now,
1: I, I, would, I would predict it as Biden, but I would, it's still close, and it's still North Carolina, which still has Republican DNA there, so, right. so you just have to kind of be careful. But right. I mean, the early vote looks good for the Democrats for sure.
0: Okay, so now, Florida. Is it just a straight-up, as it always is, one friggin' percent toss-up, who the hell knows? I know if you want to delve into, I've read a little bit about it. you probably read more about it. You know, there's some dynamics amongst the Hispanic population, the elder population, the different gaps that are switching sides, et cetera, et cetera. Do we have any real, you know... Uh, angle on how it's going to turn out, or is, it, is Florida just like you wait till election night and see what happens? I mean, what's going on with that place? You know, it's crazy.
1: Right now, and, and this is unprecedented by me, like when I was kind of like looking at the map and everything and trying to figure out, kind of like doing like a mock prediction for myself, mm-hmm. I actually left Florida completely blank. Mm -hmm. Like, even after, like, I, I, even after, like, I looked at all the other toss up states and I said, okay, I think this person's going to win this state and this person's going to win that state, I left, I kind of copped out and left Florida completely blank because it is basically a who the hell knows wait till (laughs) election night (laughs) type of deal because, I I mean, it's always, it it always comes down their percent. And, and again, when you look at the average, it's 1%. Point four percent in favor of Joe Biden. So, I mean, it, again, it's down to that one percent right in favor of Joe Biden. And, and quite honestly, like it, like the especially if you use like 2018, um, the polls definitely underestimated Republican turnout in Florida. So, it's really hard to say. Now, I think I do have. Uh, a little bit of, in, of early vote information. out of okay. here. I'm just going to try to pull it up here. But I'm just going to see. I, 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 the Democrats are leading, like, in return ballots right now. Um, they have, like, over a million votes already in the bank.
0: Okay. Compared
1: to, like, almost 700,000 for the Republicans. But... But, I, again, like, on Election Day, that's when the Republicans have a major, like, right
2: surge right. right
1: on Election Day. So, that's, I mean, that's why it's so hard to predict. And then another aspect, like you said, is, is we could have, because the Cuban population down in, like, Miami-Dade could be going more Republican, but yet... Yeah, Donald Trump could be losing some senior vote up near Jacksonville. So it's kind of like Jacksonville normally votes Republican. Miami usually votes Democratic. Right. And this time around, it's kind of like flipping the switch. like Trump's losing the senior vote because of the COVID-19 map. But um, Trump has found an opening with the Cuban population there to really make inroads there. So it's just kind of like washing itself out, and it's just making this— making that race in Florida even more crazier than it, than it normally is there like, like it, it just, it, it, it's just it's always crazy there and it's even more crazy this <laughs>
0: makes sense so Florida's true toss up we don't know as of now the data is more Democrats votes in the bank but not by that much considering the Republican surge The kind of flips in the demographics are a wash we're just waiting on Florida I get it Um, let's talk about Two states that we mentioned that, look, I don't know, is, is, I'm not as in tune as you, are Iowa and Ohio still kind of in, in in play or have they kind of shifted back towards Trump? Now, you see that he pulled ads from there. I know Biden has a lot more cash on hand now than Trump, so that could play into it. But are Iowa and Ohio still competitive Are either one of them more competitive or are they leaning red, blue? What's your take on those two states?
1: those states are are also toss up still. Okay. And my guess is like the, when you talk about Trump like like pulling down ads a little bit there well, he has to assume like he's gonna get them to the win. Like he right at this point. If if he's gonna win, like Ohio and Iowa have to go his way. So he needs to really focus on like other states and obviously like Pennsylvania and Florida are like the two big ones for him. Oh, like I said, I mean, you should be worried about some of these other states we talked about as well. But, right. But he, but, but he has to, I don't know, like he has to make a gamble because of his cash problems with his campaign that he's going to that he's going to end up taking Iowa and Ohio. But so I mean, you're, basically,
0: you're basically, you're basically saying, and what? I know, I know you're not a campaign manager, but but you are a smart dude who majored in journalism who knows these things, so you're basically saying that when you have cash problems anyway, it's not necessarily that he's confident he's going to win. It's that he has to win them to to stand a chance anyway. So he's like, well, I got to pull the ads because I, if I don't win them, I'm screwed anyway. I got to concentrate on other states. Like, that's what you're saying. There's still toss-ups. Right, yeah. So, like, he, he, has to, he has to just go
1: into it, assuming like when he has a cash crunch, like he has to go into, if he's spending money in Iowa and Ohio, I mean, first off, the look of it will be terrible. Right. Considering, like, he won those states by eight or nine points. And then secondly, then it just, then, it's then since he's in a cash crunch with this campaign and Joe Biden's raising, like, $300, 400000000 a month, it seems like. Right. Now, then it's just, like, then, then all of a sudden, like, then you have, like, he won't have any money to spend in, like, Pennsylvania or, or Florida, and then here comes joe biden i'm um, swooping into those states and just dominating them just across right. the board and spending right so he needs to he needs to go into those states and he's got to just go into it since he's limited in cash he's just got to go into it saying that yes yeah, look um, we have to assume we're going to get ohio and iowa because because otherwise I mean, if he doesn't, obviously he's screwed, right. big time, and it's going to be a
2: landslide, probably. But, right. but, but if he if, if if he
1: just decides to play defense there and does end up picking him up, he still, like I said, leaves the door open in North Carolina, and then we talk about Pennsylvania and Florida, and then and then all these other states where Joe Biden's going into. So he has to make a, a decision, basically, to try to really go for the states that are big that he can maybe turn this thing around in because right now he's got a big deficit
0: right okay so now across the board so so but you're saying are both of those states still true toss-ups
1: oh, definitely yeah when you look at when you look at the polling though, like ohio is still very very close mm-hmm. like it, it's under a percent there in ohio like okay it's that close. It's wow And then Iowa is a little bit more. It's like one point two percent. And Joe Biden's leading in both of them too. Oh, so he's leading
0: in both of them. So Biden's leading in both of them still, but by a by a margin of within the margin of error, he's leading though.
1: Right. Yeah. If you look at the fourth, yeah, my four percent rule with the margin of error, definitely. But I mean, it's like very close. It's like a hair there. Wow. He's literally leading by like a hair. But but the fact again. Considering you look at the history in 2016, that is still, like, it's, like, Joe Biden's still in the game there. Like, it, again, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a massive problem for Trump, considering, like, especially when you look at 2016, that campaign. And now, yes, you, you seem to have a message, like, Taylor made for the voters of the Rust Belt, and he he's, he's performing very poorly. in the Rust Belt, Especially, like, if, white red Rust Belt states, like Ohio and Iowa are still in the game for for Joe Biden. Wow! Like it's it, it, it's a pretty again. It's just, it just it goes to the deficit that that Trump is in right now. Wow! In his campaign.
0: All right. So that makes sense. So now, just two more two more real big questions for you. Number one is Arizona is Arizona looking to lean blue right now, or or no? What's Arizona looking like?
1: <clears throat> well, it, it, it does. It does look like it's going to be leaning blue um, right now. Now, it's also like when you look at the polling average, it is by misleading on the very outer edge of that margin of error by 4%. Like it's rated
2: 4%. Right.
1: I would say that, that Joe Biden probably has a slight lead there because, again, if you look at the trend of like all the polls there, and even like registration numbers, like Arizona is a state where Democrats have made gains mm-hmm. and actually is one of the only states that the Democrats have made gains in the swing states with registration. So oh, I, interesting. I would, yeah, yeah, I would feel very, I mean, I mean, Joe Biden should feel pretty good about Arizona right now. And then you, again, you have Mark Kelly, who's way outpolling Martha McSally in that Senate race. And, and you just got to wonder how much Effect he'll have right, Joe Biden, right, because he seems to be very popular. And 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 I don't know, like, I heard even a couple of things about like the one debate they had, um, Kelly and and McSally, and and McSally didn't even look that good in that debate, so it's just kind of like she seems not to be touching on, and mm-hmm. you have like a very popular figure there, and Mark Kelly. You just gotta wonder like how that's affecting the race. Yes. Plus again, like the 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 registration advantage and the and the Hispanics going towards Joe Biden, like like non Cuban Hispanics are still pretty strong for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. It just looks like and then again you have a big senior population in Arizona too. Another state hit hard by COVID. Yes. And of course, never mind the fact that Cindy McCain Yes. Um, endorsed um, Joe Biden. Like it, it, it just feels like a Joe Biden state
0: this time. That makes it, sense.
1: If, if I were to rank it.
0: Now, speaking of voter registrations, I keep seeing these articles that aren't that predominant, but they're out there. These these articles that are kind of under the radar kind of saying that Trump has registered a lot of Republicans in some other swing states like the Rust Belt, your state, things like that. Speaking of registration, do you think that plays a lot into some of these states? Does it affect the polls? Is it something, you know, how serious is that? Given the polls, given it looks like Trump's behind, how serious is that registration thing to the states that it is in Trump's favor? I mean, is it something to really watch out for? How do you see that?
1: That's, that's a very good question and a very good point too and that'd be like the only thing I would caution like for anyone supporting Joe Biden out there that would be the only reason I would, I would I would stay very cautious I wouldn't get too complacent about things because right. if you look at 2016 like we already know like, like Wisconsin was the one state where polling was terrible and yes. like that state was completely off the mark there, so you should. I mean, no one should feel good about Wisconsin just because of 2016. Right. But even a little bit, like in Michigan and Wisconsin, you had that, you had that election day drop off as well. So I mean, there is a possibility out there that, that these polls are could be wrong again in the in in the Rust Belt. I mean, if, and if you look at the registration numbers, where Donald Trump is registering Republicans, like that's the only like urge a, urge a caution I would I would give to your listeners or to anybody out there about, about the saying Joe Biden has this in the back. like Joe Biden will have to work in the next couple of weeks and, and his campaign staffers and his volunteers like they're going to have to work like hell especially like in, in the Rust Belt states but across all the swing states really to right. really drive out the vote. And make sure their people get out right they could be looking at a similar situation as they were in 2016
2: right now and the
1: registration kind of kind of backed that up that Trump still has a lot of intensity and his voters are still gung-ho about voting for him again and they are not leaving aside at all right and that's why I mean no matter who the Democrats nominated this year it still would have been very, very close because of how divided this country is and how like how like intense people are feeling about this election. So makes sense. All right, that's why I would urge caution to really um, before declaring that Joe Biden has this in the back.
0: Okay, right. Now, even with that abundance of caution, and with that in mind, given Trump's razor thin margins of victory in 2016 and a high turnout model, do you still think and the polling you know, tweaks that they made since then, do you still think that the polling advantages that Biden has in those Rust Belt states are considerable and, and do still give him you know, the edge at this point?
1: say I would say yes. And the reason again is because like I try to to just look at I I mean I do look at like all the polls like as they come out like on a daily basis but what I really like to do is I like to click on each state and just look at the average. Like right state and the average of the polls. And and if that average remains above four percent then I would still say like like the advantage goes to to this candidate or that candidate, and in the case of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, again, um, Joe Biden has like a five to six to seven point advantage in those uh, in those like 20 states. So that I would say again, like that's that's just right now, and I I said this on my Facebook page too, that yeah, Donald Trump needs to get the margins in these states down to the margin of error. Right. So he had the chance of really, like, shocking people again like he did in 2016. He needs to bring the average down to the margin of error because actually in 2016 in, like, those Rust Belt states, like, their margins were a lot closer even though, like, they got them wrong with the exception of, of Wisconsin which you talked about them getting that way off. But Michigan and Pennsylvania were actually a lot closer than they are now so I still think like even if there is like a a vote out there that's hidden for Donald Trump in these states it's still not enough to get him over the the finish line he needs to, to drop those polling averages down below 4 percent makes preferably sense two to three points yeah
0: makes sense all right so now Sean final question as of now I know it'll change and now now I I don't want to ask you to commit now I know you're busy at work I know it's going good at work which is friggin' awesome I know every you get a busy guy I'm hoping you could probably try to come on weekly from now to the election if we could arrange it just because I think every week the polls are going to change We only got really two more weeks left Fridays left before it so hopefully I can have you on every week so you can always have an opportunity to change it but as of now you know how do you see the election what's your prediction
1: as of now, again, and, and I urge like caution with the, all your viewers, of course.
3: But mm-hmm.
1: I mean, as of now, I mean, I would I would still give Biden the advantage. Um, I have it right now. Let me let me check to see what my mm-hmm. final tally is. I, I have it 279 right now. Well, for Biden plus buyout um, in North Carolina and Arizona, which would put it at 305. So my final. Um, prediction is basically it's 305 and then I have um, um, the only state I I didn't characterize is Florida. Florida, I kind of copped out and didn't predict on <laughs> right. it yet just because it's just so crazy right now there. So, and who knows, I might just, I might pull a first and, and not predict Florida at all, but, got you. But, I mean, it's, but Joe Biden even without Florida or Georgia or Ohio or Iowa, which I, still think in the end we'll, we'll vote for Trump by a couple of points,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, Joe Biden still would win. And again, it's, it's those three um, swing states in the Rust Belt plus Arizona that, that are in North Carolina that are kind of making the difference right now for him and give him that advantage.
0: So now that 279, you're not including every swing state, which swing states are you including? Arizona, all the Rust Belt states, and North Carolina?
1: Right, and then I add Ohio, Iowa, and Florida in there as well. Those are kind of like my big, like, gotcha. swing states, but but then I kind of, looking at the polls, I just, I feel pretty good right now about Arizona and North Carolina, and I kind of gave them the Biden, which put him over 300, so I still think it's, I mean, I've been pretty steady so far mm-hmm. um, with my thoughts about Joe Biden getting above 300, and I'm Sticking to it right now, it, it, it looks like he is probably going to have a 300 electoral vote victory um, plus, especially if the national polls are anywhere close right. To accurate. Right. Right. And the, and the average of, of that right now is a, a little over eight points for Joe right. Biden, according to Real Clear Politics. So if that's anywhere close to being right, I would say he's on track to win at least 300.
0: Very interesting. All right, Sean. So hopefully, I'll talk to you next week. As always, the, the listeners Hold steady or even go up when you're on Cause people, And I talk to people When you're not on, after the show And they're like, dude, that, that, Sean knows a lot of shit I like to hear, people are anxious now People want to hear what's going on with the election So I appreciate you Taking the time to sit down with us and really discuss it in depth hopefully now we could do it weekly going up to the election and hopefully we'll talk to you next week and see where things stand there after the next debate and everything too uh and just kind of go from there so definitely appreciate you coming on appreciate your insight and uh, make sure you share the podcast because you make such a good showing and uh we'll talk to you again soon brother
1: appreciate you having me on, Larry. I look forward to talking to you next
0: week. Alright, brother. Talk to you next week, man. Alright, bye. All right. How it going. You too, bye. So Sean Bracken again. Now, before I get my next guest on, which I want to do very, very shortly, um, I do have a little um a little uh, uh I would say a uh little interlude. Um to play here for you, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, something that'll, uh, I don't know, let's just see what you think. I'm going to play it.
4: Something out that has a plan With every year that's added And every passing season More and more it feels like Things just happen for a reason Persevering through the struggle I'm an incandescent Light shining brightly nightly It's a gift and blessing So for what would prop me up And found that it's a fresh Steering clear of fear And steering clear of indiscretions I got some and bros Sisters and my people with me We tip Corona skyward And in the distant city Watch the stars populating In the night sky When the clouds depart The party started Get some fine wine Sky, we'd be vibing like trying to get that quota filled. We see the people that we hustle for and know it's real. Clocking 40 plus, some of us double that. But even though it's tough and stuff, we're taking nothing back. And looking in my family's eyes, I find a deeper meaning. Receiving reasons that I need and grieving, keep on dreaming. Good food and the love gives the energy. The combination makes me savor it. The recipe, totally irreplaceable. So while I'm paying dues, the feeling that people got my back is amazing too. Expel the negative, and now I'm fortified. We complain, exhilarate in the morning time, sees the day pursuing excellence in every way, and though I've grown a lot, there's one thing that has never changed, a voice in my head telling me to get your check, follow your heart and you're going to leave the world with no regrets, yeah. Just feel the vibe as the fireflies rise into the sky, we be vibing like... Grateful to be alive, yeah. Reminiscing to the days that I was pumping gas. Hoping for a life filled with love and tons of cash. It's been like 15 years and I got one or two. I'm kind of good with that, really. I got enough to do. Meantime, give me drinks to have umbrellas in them. Meantime, give me beats to have a stellar rhythm. And meantime, may we all find our way to thrive. Meantime, I'm grateful to be alive, like...
0: So, no, I'm going to say uh, Dan Spafford, give me a call. Uh, that was him, by the way. And I dug the song, and I dig a lot of his music, so I thought it was just appropriate to play a little interlude uh, you know, while we are waiting. But go ahead and call in, Dan, because uh, I want to talk about that song, and I want to talk about a bunch of other things. Um, and obviously, Rick, yeah, you're going to get stumped, <laughs> stumped on that because obviously it's a local artist, but it's, uh, it's dope music so you know um that's kind of where you know it's just something i wanted to play i thought it, i thought it was dope i thought the vibe was dope um and you know i uh you i know, thought you guys might enjoy it you know i've been taking my little intermissions lately because uh <laughs> because uh you know i need a little time to step away once in a once in a blue moon um uh, but i need to do that but uh I think uh, the conversation we'll have with uh, Dan is going to be an interesting one, and it's not necessarily you know, part of the political conversation per se, not that he's not political, he is. And I think all the listeners that are out there know that. If you followed my Facebook for even a little bit, uh, you know that. So, um, you know, we know that. But, uh, you know, I think there's a different subject to be had, especially with COVID and everything going on, uh, and I think uh, Dan will be a good contributor to that. I don't know if he uh hit some te- technical difficulties. He was in here the whole show. Uh I don't see him now, but when he's here, give me a call. If not, um you guys you guys know the number. Um 973 536 uh 2530. And if um if somebody else wants to call in, in the meantime, we could take another call and discuss that before Dan calls in, that's fine. So 973-536-2530, give me a call. You know I want to talk to you. There's so much going on. There's so much we could discuss. I don't care what the topic is. We had the poll conversation from Sean. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a lot to be discussed. So, so just call in and let's let's talk. Let's talk, guys. Whoever wants to talk about anything, I don't care what the uh, subject is or what your angle is, give me a call. I'm not going anywhere, because the night's young, so I'm uh, hanging out with you, and there's obviously a lot in the news and a lot going on, so there's no reason to call it a night just yet. Waiting on Dan's call, but waiting on anybody's call who wants to call in. 973 five three six twenty five thirty last time we had this issue uh the skype didn't work but it's working fine now i assure you i'll be able to take your call and i'll be able to have that conversation it worked flawlessly for sean and i so you know it's working you're on the air state your name and location and what you want to talk about
5: trailer park girls go around the outside around the outside (laughs) It's Rick
0: from Phoenix. <laughs> What's up, Rick? It's been a while since we talked on the air, since I had that little technical issue and then I was not live last time. What's up? That
5: is, the man, that is the man trying to prevent us from communicating. I think you're right.
0: That was our power. I think, that, I think that was right. I think you're right. Either the man or the Russians. I don't know which one it was, but somebody was interfering uh, with my damn Skype and hard drive. I'll tell you that. I
5: think the, I think the Russians would
0: love us. Yes.
5: <laughs> and not in a good way.
0: Not in a good way. That's for damn sure. <laughs> So what's
5: frustration, man? I I was almost despondent. Like two days ago, I was like in the deepest depression, just watching all this shit go down. And you addressed a lot of it, so I won't go back into it. But the the breaking point for me was watching Trump talk about them shooting that, quote, Antifa guy
0: in Portland. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So I saw a part of that. I think I shared it. Break down for us, if you can, just briefly. We talked about it like weeks ago, but but what the situation was first off, and then what okay, Trump said.
1: Say, okay,
5: Reinhold or Ryan, I can't remember his name, but he uh, he lived in Portland and he was an advocate. He was a self-identified Antifa person. He was downtown when all those. Patriot prayer and Proud Boys rolled in and were paintballing and pepper spraying everybody. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of an altercation or confrontation. Uh, the Patriot prayer guy reached into his pocket. Uh, this guy Reinhold pulled a gun and shot him, and and then he took off, which was his mistake.
2: Gotcha. Right?
5: He shouldn't have t- taken off. Right. But like I said, I was already kind of coming down this terrible. Tired of society. You, you saw my post today about you know wanting to live in the
0: woods and yes. coming for the harvest dance. Yes. Yes. Well, there's so many times, Rick, just where I think, sit there and think, and I haven't been out west much except to Vegas once, which isn't the same. Where I'm just like, I want to go to friggin'. I know you've been there and you said it's freezing, but I want to go to Montana or something, just live in the friggin' woods and be away from all of society and live my days out. So I've been there where you were. <laughs>
5: Yeah, no, and, and and
0: you're way younger than
2: me. So
5: imagine yes. like another twenty five years <laughs> of your life oh, God. on this planet in this situation, right?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Jesus. So that
5: that's part of the overwhelming thing too, is like the idea that I might live to ninety. I mean that's almost my whole fucking life over <laughs> yeah. I, just, I
0: don't I don't think I can do it. <laughs> True. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So so anyway, all right, so he shoots the guy, he flees. What happened and now now and your segue was you were depressed, so yes.
5: They, and they and they find him, and now there's a lot of alleged going on in this in this conversation. Was the guy armed? Probably. Did right. he pull his weapon, get into his car, and brandish it at police? Right. Uh, I find that hard to believe, in the sense that he then got out of the car when they started shooting at him and tried to flee again. That doesn't sound like somebody that's, you know, gunning for the cops.
0: Gotcha. Right. Got gotcha. you.
5: And but. But regardless, right. he was shot, uh, I, I'm not sure how many hit him, but he was shot at 37 times.
0: Gee, okay, okay. And and he, and did he die? He did. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, he died. Okay.
5: And then, and then Trump comes out at one of his fucking hoopla Hitler rallies, mm-hmm. and he says... Red hat oh, rallies. Those. Yes, red hat. <laughs> yes. And the, and the police, he's like, the police took care of that, took 15 minutes... You know, they took care of that, blah, blah, blah. As if Antifa's the problem in this country, right? Right. And I believe I posted that on one of your uh, things today about you let me know when Antifa plots to try to, you know, kidnap and possibly kill a governor of a state. Right. Because that's never going to happen. So I was down, man. I mean, I was like – I was hella down. And and then it took my wife to cheer me up, and she said – Good thing you didn't have an AK because it wasn't a very good day.
0: And, <laughs> and was, that cheered you up. I was happy you did it. Well, dude, when your wife is spitting a line like that, you gotta be in a bright mood. Let's be honest. I mean, if she knows the yeah, line you know, and knows how to say it, you gotta be in a good mood. I I, I understand yeah. that.
5: And I told her. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was gonna post this on Facebook, but I just told her personally. I was like, "You're like my Statue of Liberty, right? <laughs> yes. Except your torch is love, and it guides me into my safe harbor, and I feel okay again."
0: That's awesome. And,
5: so I thought the world needed to hear that, or, uh, yes. or whatever part of the world listens to your podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, and I agree. I think we did need to hear that. I needed to hear it. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't Trump not only say that, but Trump said they knew where he was, quote, they didn't want to arrest, they could have arrested him, they didn't want to, and they took care of him?
3: Yes,
5: sir. And <laughs> to me, as old as I am and as many presidents as, as I've seen, I, I just, it, it just crippled me inside, you know what I mean? Like yes american patriot that i am and we've talked about that before my whole childhood was like you know praise america i knew all the songs blah 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 went to the freedom train in 76 all of that shit. and it just it just kills me to hear a president say that and then see people that are still like Yeah, you guys are all going to be crying when Trump wins again. And I'm just like, well, how do you even support this man?
0: Right. And how can you, regardless of your political persuasion, when a standing president, the first thing that got me, you know, regardless of your political persuasion and and even regardless of whether you support Kaepernick or not. One of the things that struck me was you can say all you want about private companies and private entities being able to restrict free speech, right? We, we know that that's right. somewhat a constitutional loophole, for lack of a better term. But when, Pre- when Trump said, as the president of the United States, the sitting president of the United States, shut him up, that son of a bitch, kick him out of the country, that became yeah. governmental oppression of, of, of free speech, right? That, that struck me. Yeah, I say that struck me, and then now this saying essentially saying I they could have arrested him. They didn't want to. They took him out. Those two things, regardless of what you think, if he's a jokester, if he just says stupid shit or whatever, wouldn't a true conservative be disturbed by both of those statements concerning like constitutional rights that he's openly advocating to restrict? I mean, wouldn't any real conservative be— Repulsed by that? That's what I don't understand. Aren't they the party that is constantly bitching about less government? Let us do our thing. Let us be who we are. Blah blah blah. Right. And and then they're
5: like, "Yeah, they fucking shot that guy." And at the same, in the same breath, this money raising and praise of Kyle Rittenhouse and his mom and all of that shit. Right. 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 I mean, imagine if 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 I got a group of people together. And I went, you know what? I've had enough of this Trump fucker, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to get my military buddies together. We're going to get weapons. We're going to go down. We're going to kidnap him and make the citizens arrest. Yes. Right? How, how would that fly?
2: It, right,
0: be, right.
5: I'd be
3: dead.
0: You I'd would be dead. Be dead. And I think it's interesting, too, with Rittenhouse specifically. I mean, I remember we had discussed that. It seemed initially like there could have been elements of self-defense. I'm not on the ground. I'm not a lawyer on the case. There still probably may well be a viable self-defense claim that the lawyer brings up. I'm not the decider. The jury's the decider. But it does seem as though my initial reading was a bit slanted the wrong way. It seems now like... You know, he was going there looking for trouble and there's a lot of evidence that would negate self defense and show that Rittenhouse was an actual cold blooded killer in a lot of ways, regardless of what transpired. So that's me kind of saying, Hey, I'm you know, my initial reading might have been wrong. Well let the court decide it. But again, I mean the outpouring for somebody like that, now the facts are looking not in his favor is just astounding and it's astounding how and and look the left does it to an extent too we know that but the hip the hypocritical nature you know it's just crazy to me
5: i mean the idea that you know and you started with this and and i know you recorrected yourself which is why you're such an awesome dude thank you but, but they're like he threw a plastic bag at him you know? right he, and yet this guy pulls out pepper spray which i'm pretty sure is way more harmful than a plastic bag that didn't even hit you right. and get shot. The the Patriot Prayer guy in Portland, right? Right. And nobody's talking about that. Nobody. Right. There's no marches for Reinhold, the Antifa guy, right? There's no marches for that.
0: Great point. But I mean, the parallels are there, but no the marches, right?
5: Thing was I watched a documentary? Uh, it's called Fringe Nation, I think. hmm And uh, and they were they were talking about all this stuff. And there was this this black guy was embedded embedded with uh one of the protesters in portland yes so it was kind of this crazy little dude and, but anyway he's embedded and he goes down there and he's like oh you better put your mask on it's time and the guy the guy's like what are you talking about he's like oh, this is when the police come right and, and start shooting us so they go to you know this courthouse and at this stage it's fenced off and everything right the police are sniping protesters from the building through, like, slitted windows.
0: That's and, and, verified? Uh, like, in that? the... That's, like, verified in the documentary? Like, it's... it's.
5: Yes, I mean, they're not shooting them with bullets, okay? They're shooting oh, them with the beanbags and, okay. and whatnot. okay, okay. But, but this reporter gets shot. And the right. guy drags him out. He's like, hold on to my backpack. I'll get you safe. I'll get you safe. And they go... You know, before this happened, the, the guy is like dancing like he knows it's coming he knows the police are gonna start shooting like they do it like clockwork right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and they're all getting vibed up right they're all like kind of bouncing in place like a dance right yes because they're getting sight. yes yes anyway so the guy's like oh my god i can't believe that and and they're talking away from the scene and the guy's like it's time to get back and he's like what do you mean we're going back right like what (laughs) he's like yeah
0: so that what medium is that on that fringe nation I
5: want, to say, I want to say I find it through Hulu, but I'm not sure what network it is. I'd have to look that up again. When, it might be Vice,
0: honestly. It, I was just going to say, this seems like some Vice-level reporting that Rick's like telling us about. That's just like, whether you stand with them or without them or whether you would be out there or whatever, it's just like reporting on things going on in the country. That's well, interesting.
3: The thing, the thing,
0: go ahead. No, that's interesting. i think saying when you find out what medium that's on, you know, just let us know, like on Facebook or whatever. I'll share it because it's just interesting. It's something I'd want to see. I'm just, pretty, just interesting.
5: I'm pretty sure it's Vice. And the thing is, though, is that this this guy that was embedded, this reporter that was embedded with this guy, is like, what, why are we going back? And then, so the whole point of the documentary or the news story is they're trying to find Antifa, right? right. And they can't find it. They right, find
0: it. And, and 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 nobody that, says yes. We're Antifa. That's another thing that's interesting, right? Is everybody knows my stance on a lot of things, and I and I think even in, not that you've come around per se, but we kind of agree on some of the criminal justice stuff that's distorted and all this other stuff. I'm not going to get into it, but sure. But I think um, we know that there's fringe elements on the left that could be problematic. However, one of the things that I've come to terms with is initially I even kind of associated, quote, antifa with, like, an organized leftist fringe element. And it seems like it's really just not, right? And I'm not saying this to defend leftist radicals, right? You, Rick, you know me. All my listeners know me. I know that there's people on the left who act violently and destructively. I'm not saying that they don't. We saw the people tear down the statues, break the windows in Portland on Columbus Day. But— that being said, yeah. that being acknowledged and said, whether they are acting whatever they're, you know, in whatever capacity they're acting, it does seem like there is no organized or otherwise identifiable group of people called Antifa that is organized into doing anything, right? That's
3: right. That's
5: 100% correct. There is no... There is no organization, there are people like this guy that shot the Patriot Prayer. He's like, oh, I am 100% Antifa, but he he clarified saying, and by that I mean I'm anti-fascist. Right. Which is something that is not being addressed at all either, is that Antifa wouldn't even exist if not for all these right-wing militant groups and the abuses of police power like we saw in Portland with Trump sending troops in there.
0: Right. So it's... And again, I'm not condoning left-wing violence, and I know it exists, but I'm saying when we talk about Antifa as if it's some organized movement of violence like they have on the right with, you know, different groups on the right that actually are organized, it just doesn't exist. It really objectively does not exist.
5: No, it's not. It's not a capital A Antifa at all. Right. It's not... They're not affiliated, they're not associated. There's groups of people that take it upon themselves to go out and protect people. And this is the interesting thing about this documentary I was talking about, is that they go through and they, you know, they interviewed some of the moms or some of the other people involved in the protests in Portland. And all of those people say, and this is all separate, man, this isn't, this isn't something that's fabricated, you know what I mean? Right. Or or put together by yes. media to trick you. Right. They all say the same thing about these frontline people like the dancing guy. They're like they protect us from the police so that we can protest properly.
2: Right. Like, they
5: go in there and they, they take the beanbags and they take the beatings and, and they take the arrests even, so that the moms, for instance, that came out I mean, how do you call a bunch of moms getting together in Portland Antifa? I mean, for fuck's sake, they're moms.
0: I agree with that, ones. but do you agree? Because I think there was another expose from some other private film company that, like, the moms, yeah, they might have been technically moms, but a lot of them are like, you know, millennial girls who were really, you know... It wasn't, like, moms, like, who came out and, like, they You know, buns in their hair after driving their kids to soccer to defend their kids. It was like you know a group of, and I'm not I'm not insulting them, but like just just so we're clear on the on the air, I think even they defined as moms was like, yeah, they're like protesters. They're like a little edgy. They're not just necessarily moms in the way the connotation entails, right? I mean, but they're they're peaceful protesters. Yes, that that, I understand that. Yes, I understand that for sure. Yes. So then
5: this guy in this documentary takes. The guy, the reporter out and he's and the guy's like, why do you do this? Don't you think that you guys acting this way is like encouraging the police? And the guy's like, we were done, and then Trump sent troops in, right? And then he opens the back door of his car and he pulls out all of these grenades, dude. And I mean, he's like, this is stuff that isn't supposed to be used against civilians at all. And, and I'm sure you've seen all the stories about when when police are trained to use these beanbag
2: uh-huh.
5: guns and stuff they're never supposed to shoot above the above the chest ever and they're right like, not, I mean detonating people's eyeballs and, yeah I've seen that yes I, there, was, there was one girl that had I mean I probably 20 bruises on her like they just lit her up right
2: right, right.
5: and but there's also these grenades that they throw out that are like I, I mean I know you weren't in the military or whatever but they, they there was this thing called a bouncing Betty mine. Right? Yeah. Well,
0: hey, explain it and to us, because we, because I think a lot of us weren't. You were, so tell us.
5: When you when you step on a, a bouncing Betty mine, basically, it springs out of the ground, right, uh-huh. it, to a height of about three feet, and then it throws shrapnel in a three sixty. Oh shit! Radius, right? Yeah. so we need more stuff. We need more stuff like that. right? Jesus
0: Christ! <laughs> stuff, yeah. Oh my we God! we for
5: COVID. We <laughs> need things like bouncing Betty. <laughs> God, heaven it's the equivalent of that except it's a grenade that's thrown and then it, the canister separates and then it detonates these rubber bullets in like a 360 degree shit. rate
2: holy
5: and, shit and this is what they're using on civilians and that's what the guy's saying but the but the reporter says okay but you, aren't you guys instigating them he's like that's he, he made a solid point in my opinion but uh-huh. you know me I'm borderline radical <laughs> Yes. he said what they want you to do is, you know, you got shot in the leg, right? Yeah. They want you to go home now. They want you to stop doing this. He goes, but if we do that, then what happens the next time? And then what happens the time after that? And the time after that? And he goes, pretty soon, everybody just goes home. He's like, uh, we're not doing that.
0: Right. And and look, and I, I, I think um, my – yeah, I'm listening.
5: It, it's, it, I I've brought this up I, probably even on your page somewhere. Where, yes, because the American Revolution was such a peaceful protest, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Well, obviously, it wasn't
5: toss some shit in the harbor, and they're like, "Yeah, now the country's ours." <laughs> right. Fuss up your tea. Right. Now it's ours. No, that's not. That's not what happened. It got, it got violent because the authorities pushed it towards violence.
0: And, and I understand that, that. A solid
5: point. And and I, I can't, I don't condone violence, but none of the violence that they're doing is pre-violence, it's reactionary violence. I see and that, and that's a problem. Like, when you've got these people that are going to go to the polls armed to intimidate people, which they say is like, oh, no, no, we're just going to make sure that the votes are counted right. They know who's losing, man. All the way across the board, there's not a section of voting that the Republicans haven't tried to quash for the American people. And that, to me, anybody that claims patriotism and america and constitution needs to acknowledge that point alone and
0: go fuck this guy uh, see i agree with that i agree with that i think where i think the disconnect is is not that protest is and, and i don't, I don't even think a disconnect in what you said per se i think where my philosophy i guess comes in with the modern movements is i, I sometimes think that while those points are valid in a vacuum that sometimes I see protests going on and, and destruction, like like on Columbus Day, tearing down all the statues, breaking the windows of historical society. I don't see the nexus sometimes. Not all the time. I mean, Minneapolis is different, right, with George Floyd, and and we see the yeah. marches for women. I agree with all of those things. And, and even Trump gassing protesters outside the White House when that's the beacon and the bastion of the First Amendment. We're on the same page. Yeah. I think the only reason yeah. I take issues sometimes is, like, what's the nexus? Like, you're out there— you got to use that power, that First Amendment power and resistance that escalates and gets to the point it does for, like, a nexus of, like, a demand, a reason. I see some of the left today, and I think you—I know we differ on some things, but I think with this, because you've gotten into it with the left here and there in individual, like, circumstances— There's sometimes lacking, like, okay, there's, like, a thing we can get behind, like, a nexus, a demand that they want met, like, a meet... Sometimes it seems like they're just out there wreaking havoc because of frustration, which I understand, but without that, like, actual goal, like, the revolution had, like, about the tax. And that's where I think, not just forget me and you, but I think overall that's where sometimes the message gets lost. And it's, it's a shame because the things you bring up about the oppressive tactics and things are valid. I just... I want us to have those protests when they mean something and there's a reason not just to say, I'm going to smash a courthouse, I'm going to tear down a statue, et cetera, et cetera. I know there's frustration behind it that's substantive, but I think that's where the disconnect is sometimes, you know?
5: No, and I agree. And I I mean, I constantly, I constantly preach unity. Yes. You know, wherever I am on on social media, I'm like, we need to get together, you know, and people are like, restitution, you know, or reparations, and I'm like, that's... You know that that's history, and, and it sucks, and it's terrible, and all of this stuff. But the the world, the right. world is full of this. It doesn't yes, matter if yes. it's Africa or India or Russia or China. Humans do things, and if we don't get together, and this is something I saw as a kid in the you know '70s when I was right. more aware, right? Right? We were together and unified, and now it's not. and Yes. Even this, report that i'm talking about from i'm pretty sure it's vice it's 10 percent of the people are what you're saying are radical or violent right. or whatever they are but they're bearing the brunt right so that the 90 percent can protest right but but there's no situation where police i mean ultimately these
3: public buildings belong to us right yes i mean that's at the at the bottom of it, right in the
5: and as you would say in the vacuum. Yes. These are our buildings. They're not. They don't belong to these politicians. They don't belong to these these people that make the laws or the law enforcement. Those are the people's buildings, and it has incensed me for probably 30 plus years. Like I can't just walk into the Capitol building and talk to a congressman or or a representative or whatever. You know, I'm like, what do you mean I have to make an appointment? No. I'm here as an American citizen. This
1: guy needs
0: to see me right now. Yeah, see, I agree with you there. I agree. And I think on the flip side, I think you would agree. That's where, like, when they try to destroy the building, the police, whether they in their own head are acting for their own good because it's their building, is irrelevant. Like, they're protecting my, our building from destruction, too. Right. So, like, it, but I agree with you. Yes, it's our building. And I think. No matter how you look at it, it's our building. So, like, you can't destroy it and you can't protect it.
5: ...from those buildings, right? They shouldn't be tossing out, uh, you know, rubber bullet bouncing beddies at groups of people that are gathered around the perimeter. I mean, that, that's antagonism. And, and this is all after... These are all the troops that Trump sent in, right? Whether it was Border Patrol or U.S. Marshals or whatever the fuck he used. These people were aggressive for citizens who just wanted to protest. And, again, like 10% of the people took it upon themselves to bear the brunt of those beanbag, rubber bullets, whatever oppression is happening.
0: But you would admit that, like, in Portland, dude, there's a lot of stories. I mean, they were throwing bombs at the building, they were graffitiing the building, they were breaking the building. Like, it wasn't just protest. I mean, they were destroying the building. The
5: the buildings looked fine, other than the massive amount of graffiti, which I disagree with. And and I gotta say, you know, you're right. I, I will... I will step aside here, and and criticize the left because right. somebody posted something the other day. They're like, okay, they're tearing down Civil War monuments, but what about George Washington? He had slaves. What about Thomas Jefferson? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, see, these that's... guys were founding fucking fathers. They did not create a war against itself ourselves, right? Right. They're not Nazis. Yes. They're not white supremacists. They were people. Operating under a premise that, I mean, the world had slavery, and even Africa was collecting its own people and selling them to everybody else on the planet. Right. right? But nobody wants to address that. You bring that right. up, and everybody's like, "Oh, right. that's racist, Rick." I'm like, right. "No, it's it's fact."
2: Right. 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 It's
5: fact. And uh, so I, I don't agree with these people. I, I'm like, if we start tearing down civilization based on yes oppression and slavery and war and land grabs
2: and yes
0: that we're tearing down everything nothing so let me ask your opinion on this too and i mean this so this isn't this isn't a like a argumentative thing that just came to my mind we were talking about this and it's kind of it goes you and i were on a status earlier today where i was i was acknowledging a slippery slope and as far as regulating free speech because i know a slippery slope is a real thing but i was also saying we have to have some kind of sliding scale to regulate speaking of public buildings you have in Michigan this year, you know, a state where you can bear arms, which, you know, I'm an advocate of bearing arms. Like, I love when I see, like, African-American militias walking the streets to escort people into the building bearing arms because it's their right. But you saw, though, like, militias going into the Michigan Capitol to almost intimidate the legislators there. You know, is there, in your opinion, and I mean this genuine, like, a question because I don't know. You know, a sliding scale where we say, "Yeah, it's our building; it's our public building." But just like the left, you know, we don't want them to graffiti it. We don't want the right to storm in with guns either and have a vote at gunpoint. I mean, where's the line we draw? It's tough, right? I mean,
3: I don't know that
5: you can. I mean, I think the whole problem is, first of all, the the old SCOTUS decision that Second Second Amendment meant something that it doesn't.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
5: is a problem, and and I don't mean that because of the Second Amendment. I think you have the right to have guns. I think you have the right to own guns and have them in your house. I do not think, and I'm pretty sure it's illegal even in Michigan, to go in with a loaded weapon and use them to intimidate others. Right. Or in the Kenosha situation, or right. any of those situations. Right. Right. You, it, it's not carte blanche for you to be law enforcement
0: right yes
5: yourself yes it's not to go oh i'm gonna go into portland from washington and show these motherfuckers where it's at because i got a gun right
0: yes so then maybe is it would a compromise be like hey let anybody who wants to be in any public building to witness a vote or anything or be heard in but but weapons regulations and other you know, other you know, common sense regulations to not inhibit the process within the building are are okay.
5: Well, we have that here. We're we're you know basically a red state, maybe not for much longer, but right. we have been. And, and you can't bring weapons into the Capitol. You can't bring sense. weapons into a court. Yes, you of course. You can't bring weapons into public buildings. You right. Can't. Right. You cannot. Right. And and here, you know, I've seen. A few people begin to strap on their shit here more regularly, Mm -hmm. and I never feel comfortable when I'm at, you know, the store and a guy's got his AR. I
0: wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, honestly, and that scares me about the judicial nominee. We're not going to get into that tonight, but, you know, Jersey, I know a lot of people, and I know Spafford's coming up, and he's an advocate of guns, and... I get it but like one of the things I like about New Jersey is you don't have to have just random people now look yes I live in Newark New Jersey there's a lot of gun violence here I get it there's a lot right. of illegal guns it's a different subject but when you go into the grocery store you go out there, no one's like got a just gun strapped up in Jersey ever and I like that I don't want guys having guns just strapped up all the time I don't you know
5: No absolutely right and there's no use in doing it it's just some bullshit it's like those people that raise their trucks up, you know, eight feet off the yes. ground and put giant tires on it. Like, are, are you mudding today, dude? Or are you just right. driving to work on the
2: freeway? Right, <laughs> right. I, right. I, I agree. Mean, what's
5: the point of Yes. This? And and again, just as an aside, those are the people that were trying to run my wife off the road in 2016 when she had a Bernie sticker on her car. Which is terrible They were literally yes. road raging her. And then they right. did it to me, and I told you the funny story about my backpack fell off the sea. I yes.
0: from my backpack. That dude shot out of there. <laughs> Right, because like, he thought you were going for a gun. Yes. He, thought, he thought I was going for a gun. Yeah, yes. He thought I was going to reach under my seat and pull out my gun. Yeah, scary gun. stuff. Scary stuff. I,
5: I, I'm just tired of the phony brave. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes, I do. i, I, I do in the military. I, I don't own a gun,
0: personally, right. uh, allegedly. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have a gun, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I do. I get it. Like, it's not making... You're, you're not a not-tough person because of that. I get it. But I get the, it.
5: But the militia clause is the problem because second amendment yes you have the right to bear arms that doesn't mean you get to go everywhere and and scare people by sporting your ar or right your AK. but they're discounting the entire powers of congress where congress moderates and appoints the what do they call it the officers right and then the militias are trained by the state right they're they're leaving all that out and, and it's become this thing where like these Yahoo's in Michigan. They're like, "Oh, you know what? We should just go, kidnap this governor and take her out, and maybe kill her, maybe just hold her." Right, <laughs>
0: just insane.
5: That that is not what the fucking Second Amendment is about right. at all. Right, right. She is not oppressing them. She's not breaking laws. Right. Oh, does she make you wear a mask? Oh, I'm sorry. Right. You know. It's, no, I it's agree. Ridiculous.
0: I agree. I agree. So listen, Rick, Loved another great conversation. I want to get Spafford on because I, I told him he'd be a guest, too, and I want to talk about his music, but love the conversation. Everybody, the fans love it, obviously. The the plays stayed up, as they always do. They went up while you were on. Everybody loves it. If he says something, or somebody else calls and the show goes on later, call back. Um, but I want to get him I to hear, on. I want to hear Spafford, too. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get Spafford on. That was his song, by the way, which was dope. So we're going to get Spafford on, uh, and we'll talk to you either later tonight or we'll talk to you next week, Rick. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in. All right, bye. All right, Dan, call in because you are the guest of honor beside Sean tonight. So call in if you're still on now. Um, and I want to talk to you about, about the music thing. Um, that's really, you know, Rick and brings up some good, just great conversation. I mean, let's be honest. We just have some great conversation on this show. Just all the different people... It's just, I know we're consistent people now too, but we just have great conversations. It's it's awesome. Hello, sir. I'm assuming this is Spafford. What's up, brother? So. You know,
6: it's it's another Friday and I'm employed and I'm alive.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah! Agreed, bro. Agreed. I love that philosophy. And we're going to talk about the philosophy tonight too, because I I got a lot of stuff to talk to you about regarding that stuff. Um, yeah. First off, we heard the song that I played, the Firefly song. I I just love that song. So I'm going to play another song later. You could pick whichever one you want me to play at the end of the cast, but I wanted to play that one before anything, just because get people kind of acclimated to the vibe you know and 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 who you are before i even bring you on even though some people already know who you are um yeah you know tell tell me about first of all tell me like you as a musical artist you know what i mean like kind of where you started without being too long-winded the name you have now how you kind of been reborn a little bit in your style and just a little bit about that song Basically, I started writing music when I was like 16, mm-hmm. and um, like
6: I had like the beginnings of like basically being a musician at that point. And I was really largely influenced by uh, my uncle, and um, he he was really really supportive, and he was like, "Look, you know, you have potential to be, you know, um, a really good artist. And right. You have the energy, you have the drive, you know, make it happen." So. Um, I started out basically back then and um i was also a lead singer for a couple different rock bands back in high school and um when i moved out to california for college I was right. just me so it was just like okay well if it's just me i'm gonna you know expand on like doing hip-hop so um i really kind of like started like getting more into it um after like I decided to that like you know I was gonna drop all my uh, all my other hobbies and whatnot and really just kind of like dedicate myself to you know being more of a lyricist and right. developing like my own kind of style. So like fast like excuse me
2: fast forwarding to like you know just to kind of like give you a very truncated version. Yes.
6: Um, I was really heavily influenced by like you know just. You know the stuff that I
3: heard on the radio growing up, mm-hmm. and like I just kind of like rapped about whatever I wanted. Just didn't necessarily care about the, the legitimacy of
6: it all. Yes. And uh, you know I want to say in my mid twenties, maybe late 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 twenties, I kind of snapped, and I was just like, you know what? I want to make music that's as legitimate as possible. That's really just kind of more about me. Yes. And. You know, I don't want to put anything fabricated on the microphone, and I really just kind of, like, want to shamelessly be myself, I hear you, yes. So, like, that's when the big change in my music was, and then, like, I went with the name Phoenix Down for a very, very long time. Um,
0: Yes, which is what I know you as as a rapper. That's what I know you as for most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah um i changed it um because
6: i mean one for legal reasons like if i wanted to actually branch out and become an actual artist like there's already a, like a band phoenix now that's already established and i also want to avoid any lawsuits from square enix <laughs> yes gotcha um, so um i decided to go with a group name i was in a group
2: called the peace paradox when i was younger and okay. um you know i was just like you know what
6: this group name was never used and i kind of want to have my own imprint and have people be like, oh, is this a group? Because the thing is, the cool thing about you know, and you know, not the two mountain horn or nothing, but I have the ability to sing
2: and rap, and yes. I can do both on the same song. And people will think that it's a different person. Yes. They'll think that's like, oh, who's
6: doing the singing here? Who's doing the rapping here? And I'll be like, it's me. And they're like, nah. Right. You're crazy.
2: Yes. You know. Yes. So I, I decided to
6: go with like the peace paradox as a artist name. You know, just because, like, you know, I kind of like going with that kind of illusion.
2: Yes. But, yeah, it's
6: really just me, and... I dig it. I just try to, you know, make make music that has, like, every single one of my songs has a story behind it. There's yes. A, there's a backstory, there's a purpose for it, and, you know, I get the most enjoyment out of, you know, being able to, like...
3: My whole thing is this, like, if I'm going to write, I want to do it with a purpose, and I want to affect people. You yes. Know
6: what I mean? And... It's like, you know, my whole objective when I'm making a song is, like, I want to change your mood for the day. I want you to, like, you know, if you don't hear me at all and you feel a certain way when you woke up in the morning, whether you were happy or you were sad or anything else like that, I want to have the ability to, like, okay, like, oh, there's this new song out, let me listen to it oh, wow, I'm thinking about stuff
0: in my own life that this artist is talking about, and no one's ever made me feel this way before, and now I'm like kind of like in that, you know? Yeah, I get that. So let me ask you this question, too. So we met in law school, which is interesting, yeah. considering the music aspect of it. You went away to college in California. We're similar in age. What mm-hmm. do you think... You know, what do you think drives somebody who is artistic, you know, to... You know, go into that path of law school, this this other intellectual pursuit, do you think it's a do you think a creative mind is drawn to law school? Do you think we were just in a generation where we were like, well, we have to do something productive and we have the brain to do it? What do you think not that everybody in law school is super musical or whatever, but you and I are, which is interesting. We're from similar parts of Jersey. We both do it. What do you think? You know, how did, how did you get drawn into law school? What do you think? Do you think there's anything to it that were musicians that went into law school? For you, was there anything? I mean, what's your take on that kind of interesting facet? That you're like a hip-hop artist, but you decide to go to law school and then remain a hip-hop artist? The funny thing
6: is is that, like, there, like, there, were, there were two completely different paths. And if you had asked me in college, like, if I wanted to go to law school, I would have, had, I would have looked at you like you were
2: weird. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And... You know, I, like, I decided to go to law school because the thing is, like, you know, when I graduated college, it was
6: the height of the recession. Me and too, I yeah. I graduated California State, Dominguez Hills, and I was working two jobs at the time. I was working at a FedEx office, and I was
2: also delivering pizza at night. And, yes. you know, I had a business degree in, you know,
6: management, business management and human resources, and the only people that were hiring at the time were, like, the
2: army. <laughs> yes, yeah, right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
6: So. I'm I like I'm I'm visiting with my uncle one day, and um, you know, he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Right. And like he um, is like, as far as like attorneys are concerned, like you mentioned DUI attorney, like you're gonna know the name Samuel Sachs.
2: Gotcha. You know what I mean, like yes.
6: The guy, the guy is an absolute genius, very successful, and you know, it's just one of the most amazing legal minds you could possibly be around. Right. And um, I saw how successful he was, and I was just like, you know what? Maybe I could be a lawyer. It's not like I'm dumb. Right,
0: right, I could, right. You know? Yes. I'm an,
6: I'm an intelligent dude. Like, if I apply myself to something that I could do, and I actually got into law school
0: through rapping, which is a lot, which, which is something that a lot of people don't know. I don't you know, know that. Tell me about that.
6: So, basically, there was this... Um, there was this group, there was this um, company, well, there's, there still is, but there's this company called Blueprint, and, um, they had this, uh, this contest, basically, where if you wanted to take their LSAT class,
3: um, you know, you had to submit a video of some kind using three words. Interesting. And the words were spatula, third good Marshall, and something else, it, is, it escapes me right now.
2: Right.
6: But, basically, um... I was dead broke and I was um, living in Warren with my mom and I was still delivering pizza at the time for Ferraro's, Right. And like things were things were not really you know cracking. So it was just like you know what, <laughs> I want to take this course and it costs fourteen hundred dollars. I don't have it. Let me get a shot at it. So I ended up writing a
0: song and shooting the music video on like a Logitech webcam in the basement. That's dope. And, I didn't know this.
6: Yeah. <laughs> and i edited in uh clips from youtube and stuff like that yeah i found out on july 4th that i was the grand prize winner (laughs) that's sick to take the free lsat course yeah i was like what are you serious so that i i actually got to go to Manhattan, um and i took the lsat course and then took the
0: lsat and then eventually scored high enough to get into Rutgers. right and that's how i got into law
6: school but i got it i got i basically
0: got into this entire path through hip-hop so that kind is of crazy stuff. And you know what's interesting with me too i didn't get in the same way you did but i find that in my everyday life as a lawyer and in my everyday interaction that my experiences in hip-hop as far as doing shows the people i met the, the different you know situations i was in have benefited me league in a legal career in so many ways, like it permeates through my life, so it's so interesting how that musical influence does have an effect on your life, even as an attorney, which people don't realize how much of an effect it could have. So that's dope. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, would you say that you know, we're a unique generation in terms of like what we've seen, what we've been through, the recession, 911, all the tumultuous stuff, the are kind of late blooming in terms of economic viability. Do you think that's kind of something about our generation that's kind of definitive, like our multifaceted talents and stories like yours that are so interesting? Do you think it's unique to us or do you think it's been a thing forever? I mean, what's your take on that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's,
6: it's, it's kind of hard to call. I mean, the thing is, as far as our generation is concerned, like, You know, I think we, like, we kind of caught, like, a
3: really, really raw deal because we did what we were supposed to and it still didn't work out.
2: Yes, (laughs) right, yes.
6: And it's just like, you're kind of given a blueprint, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, you're graduating high school, you know what I mean? Then you go off to college, you're going to get a degree, and everything is going to be fine after that. You're going to be established.
2: People are going to be hiring, and, like, you've got all this stuff going on for you. And a lot of people found themselves
6: like not in that situation and they're ending they're ending up in like these dead end jobs with, you know, crazy debt. And, you know, a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to be in a position
2: where they have government loans and they have private loans. Yes. And, you know, go back and renegotiate.
6: And it's just like, look, dude, we're coming for your head. You better have this money next month. <laughs> right. <laughs> you
2: know I mean? Yes. So, yes.
6: You know, it, it's like, it's, it's really crazy, you know, when it comes down to it. So I, I don't know. Like, I I feel like you know everybody has their own unique struggles, and I feel like every single generation, in terms of music, brings their own kind of elements to the table. But as far as us, like you know, you know, our our, we all have our own respective experiences, which gets behind why we write, why we write. Yes. It's 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 hard to say that, like you know, you know, there's one generation that defines things you know, differently than another because, like, everybody's struggle is different and everybody has their own kind of, like, tumultuous time and as long as they find, you know, a way to express themselves, I mean, you know, good on you for it,
0: you know? Yes. So I remember you and I had a conversation a while ago. Like, I think we might have either still been in law school or just out of it. And And it was kind of like you and I were talking, like, do you think you could still be an artist, like, while being a lawyer? And, you know, it's interesting because I think... Hip-hop is so young in a sense that, you know, it it really took predominance in the 90s. And so it's new. So people don't, you know, you'd always know a guy in a profession who had a rock band on Friday nights and no one thinks anything of it. And we had, I think, a little apprehension, like, can we rap and be lawyers? And then I think both of us decided, like, yes, we can. And I remember that conversation. I mean, how do you think that shaped up? Because I know with me, I was hesitant at first to let anybody know I did it. And now that people know it, it's not a big deal, everybody kind of embraces it. How has your experience been with like balancing the two? Has it been accepted more than you thought, or you know, do you still well, keep it separate? What do you think?
6: Mine is kind of like the converse, in, in the way that like you know like uh, what, like I I love being I, I love being a lawyer. I like doing what I do. And right. As like you know, especially being a workers'
2: compensation attorney, like right. being able to help people and affect their lives in yes. a positive way. And yes. 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 But at the same time, you know, I don't, like, as soon as it hits 6 p.m., that's the end of my career.
6: You yes. I mean? like, yes. You know, it's, it's a hat I put on. When I go home, I don't talk about law. Yes. I don't talk about the cases I have for the day or anything else like that. If I'm with other people, unless they add to what I'm doing, I don't tell them I'm a lawyer, you
2: know? Right. So, it, it's, like, so it's, it's like, I always wanted to be me. My default is always just kind of being myself. So it's just like... I like it's, it's. I'll put it to you like this: It's like
0: I happen to be a lawyer. Yes. Right. But I'm always going to be me. Like I yes. do this thing to pay my bills, and it's rewarding in its own sense, or at least it was. Covid wasn't around. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, Covid drastically changed the landscape,
6: and we can get into that too. Um, but you know, for me, it's just always I'm like. And I do remember that conversation. It's just
4: like, you know, what What does it look like, you know, if you're walking around and you're wearing a suit on a daily basis? (laughs) Yes. Like you go
6: home and you kick a freestyle. Like how do you not feel silly? Yes, yes. But at the the end of the day, you know, like everybody needs expression. Everybody needs some way to like get whatever is inside them out. And it's the people who can't express themselves
0: that end up with like the deepest psychological issues or do something dangerous or something stupid. That's such a good point
6: and you know, it, it like i it like i say this all the time like you you can look at like the kids it's like you know from like columbine you mm-hmm. and you know all these other like you know kids that like you know get into whatever dumb stuff they
2: get into at school or whatever it's because they don't have an outlet they don't have a way to express themselves yes. you know I mean? Like i
6: think that it's like you know those kids had a better environment had some electric guitars or something you know what i mean or like you know just and this is just me taking a shot in this art. I don't know, no, but I agree out- with you. yeah. But like the thing is, like you know the the advantage of being a musician and being able to create and being able to express yourself is like you're able to rid yourself of your own toxicity and you're able to like process like you know the world around you when things just don't make sense or things go bad and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So like that's the advantage that you have as an artist. So like, Looking back on the conversation, it's just like, yeah, like, you know, it, it does kind of feel weird, you know, just being like, okay, well, like, I have this, I have a doctorate
2: degree. Right. Passed the bar exam, <laughs> right. And I'm over here kicking freestyles.
3: Like, what the hell is wrong with you? But the right. thing is, at the same time, like, you have to do
6: whatever you need to do to express yourself. So don't put yourself in a box or anything else like that. You know, it's like the same reason why I still do it, because it's just like, I get that energy from making a song that someone goes wow that was crazy you know and that that to me
0: is more rewarding than i'm going to get from like winning a case see that's
6: That's 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 just the
0: reality of the situation and that's partly because that's who you are now my buddy jay vreeland said to me this summer which i thought was an interesting way to put it right we i think as a society tend to define ourselves by like our profession so that People usually seem like, well, I'm a lawyer. That's my primary thing. I'm a doctor. I'm this. I'm that. He said to yeah. me, you ever think, Larry, that maybe law is your side hustle? Like that's how you pay your bills? Like, But you, who you are, is like being creative in any, everything instead of the music being your side hustle. He said maybe law is your side hustle because like, that's not what defines you every day. What do you think about that yeah. statement?
6: Well, that's that's pretty much the way that I look at it. I mean, especially as of late, just because, like, you know, I, like, I've been using music in order to, like, just kind of, like, get through the year and, like, keep my own mental state together, you know? So yes. I've been taking old songs and re-recording them and, like, putting better mixing into it, and I've been writing new stuff that kind of, like, describes, like, you know, what I've been going through and, you know, like, just putting that together is, is just, like... I find it a lot more rewarding than, like, your, the average everyday hustle. Because the thing is, you know, I'm just going to get into it. Um, in the beginning of the year, um, like, basically right before COVID happened, like yes. I was already kind of, like, in a bad way. Just because, like, you know, there were some people in my life that I had lost touch with. And, you know, just there was, like, you know, there was personal issues that were right. going on. So I was already kind of like, oh, man, you know, like could be better and then afterwards COVID happened and it gets to the point where, you know,
2: Pennsylvania shuts down. New York shuts down. Yes. And then like um, I get back to I like I'm listening to the radio. They like they just shut down New York. And I'm like, what is going on?
6: Yes. I get into the parking lot, one of the secretaries is there and they're like, Yo, you know, you're you're needed in the office. I go up to the office and my boss is like, Yeah, we don't know what's going on but they're closing down the state um, and, you know, we have to do
0: layoffs you know? Oh, so yeah, so, so off, surreal
6: And I was laid off for a month Wow And I was just, like, in my house Like, throughout, like, the entirety of End of February, March, until April Just, like, in my house And stuck in it, and in my head And it was, like, the worst
3: mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you're when Like, because not
6: only do you Like, because I go home, and I'm just like Okay, like, you know, I Because, you know, I had to talk with my boss, and you know we we have um, a great you know relationship. He knows that I do very good work for the company. He knows that I very, that I care very much about my job and my clients.
2: Right. But you know
6: I go home. You know what I mean. And like I'm like I go out. I go inside my house. Like, you know what I mean. I get out of my suit and I get into like you know my I like to call them civilian clothes. You know. And then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I like I go that. I like that. <laughs> and, I sit down and I light a cigarette. And I'm watching people drive by with masks, and I'm just like, what
0: is happening to my world? Right. My world is, like, falling around
2: me. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. You know, so, like,
6: that was, so, um, I was in quarantine for about a month, and, you know, I get called back, and they're just like, yeah, like, you know, you know, we're we're calling people back, we're getting, we're going to be solving again, everything's going to be good. And when I got back into the office, it was like okay, like you know, sweet, some kind of like semblance of normalcy, like right back to like you know, feeling like a productive human being. Yes. And it was good at first because like I was like, yo, I can do settlement affidavits and orders, and I can you know review medical records, and I can you know negotiate down medical bills
2: and all these other yes. things. Yes. Like and you know when you do that at
6: first, when you get back, especially after being laid off and being stuck in like a bad mental state in quarantine, it's like okay, this is good after some semblance of normalcy, but then, you know, when you're spending, like, we went to law school to go to court. Agreed, You know. yes. Like, there's a certain there's a certain energy that you get from going to court and, you know, being around other attorneys and getting face time with judges and stuff like that. 100%.
0: Especially in
6: workers, yeah, especially in workers' comp because, like, it's a, it's a lot less formal than superior court. Like, mm-hmm. I started out my career doing superior court appearances. So it was yes. more rigid, you yes. know what I mean? And you know, for me, it was just like, okay, I'm cool right now. But then, as like the months kept on going, there was no court, and it was just like nine hours a day of just like being in the office, doing the same thing over and over and over again. It went from being revitalizing to like completely debilitating. Yes. And like, I wrote maybe two songs in March just because I was home and I just like I just needed to get whatever I was feeling out of my system. But for many months like, I wasn't writing music at all just because, like, I wasn't experiencing life. It was, go to work, go home, go to work, go home.
0: Right, you
6: know I mean? like, right. Closed, you ain't going to the gym, you ain't going to the movies.
0: No <laughs> yes, dude, nothing, do like nothing. I yes. I still missed half of that shit, yes.
6: Yeah, you know, and so, like, it was just, it was really, really, like, it got to the point where, like, I snapped, and, like, I was so tired of hearing about the virus, and I was so tired of you know, just dealing with the same thing over and over again. Like,
0: I went off the grid. I know you You did. You really did. I, yeah, like, I was just
2: like, I'm tired of people, like, hating each other. I'm Mm -hmm. tired of people arguing with each other because, you know what,
6: we're all under quarantine, and we all, like, we're directing our own frustrations at each other, and it's like, everything is, like,
2: just so super toxic, I don't want to deal with it at all, and, like, I just went into, like, super isolation mode. Yes. And... You know, I just, I, you know,
6: it took a while for me to like come back out because it was just like, okay, like, what was I good at? What gave me energy? And I'm thinking about, oh, I have a freaking recording studio downstairs that I haven't used for and I have like all this, you know, anxiety and all this stuff that I could be venting through instead of just like, you know, just sitting in it and simmering it and festering it. Let me express myself through music so like that's when i started getting back into it and like i started back like a new facebook where like i just kind of changed myself right yes like one other thing that i did do like was a lot of my own self-reflection and i was just like you know what i don't like the way that i
2: used to get into arguments with people Uh uh-huh and
6: i kind of left because of that right and so i don't comment on anything anymore I've noticed I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't expand on anything anymore I like if if I have a status to share it has to do with my music I don't get into any like you know I don't go on on fight you know, like, in, I'm not I don't go on like any website like not websites but like you know Facebook groups or yes. anything like looking for like people to argue with yes
2: so over all of that yes I mean, it just makes me stick to my stomach and when I thought about like the way that I used to conduct myself
0: like that you know what I mean just because I had nothing better to do it's just like dude how much of a loser were you (laughs) (laughs) like yeah doing that yeah yeah
6: like I'm done I'm like I'm so done with all that so like you know a part of changing myself um was you know just kind of like yo keep yourself in this musical type of you know mode where like you know this is what you're sharing you can you know, you know, can see other things that might frustrate
0: you or you right. might disagree with other people and all kinds of other stuff, but just, just don't get involved. And, right. you know, I feel a lot better conducting myself that way, honestly. Yeah, and see, one of the things is, I was going to ask you about that, but you kind of went into it already, is like, you know, I, I, I take time where I just take a breath and I type something out and then delete it and all that. And everybody knows I still engage in a lot of political stuff. And I mean, the show is the way it is, I guess... A lot of my my persona and my contribution is that, but I agree with you. Like I feel so much better when I'm not like checking for updates on who responded back to me or whatever, and I'm doing something productive instead. And I I was going to ask you, but you kind of already said it was like you know, as somebody who's intelligent, who has strong opinions, but who's also creative and everything. I mean, obviously that that's I would think really helped you like just decompress physically, mentally, like everything by just getting away from that stuff.
6: Yeah, I mean, it was like like yes and no, because the thing is like, like being in quarantine and just kind of like being like, you know, having the same kind of cycle, social media is really like, was really like my only window to the outside world, and I
2: closed it. Yes, yes. So that, that brought out its own difficulties and that was like very very hard to deal with
0: because that you know at that point like I'm just kind of like okay I'm in my head now now I'm in my head full time yes right? yes so
6: while it was good way to and while it was good to like get away from the outside world and what I was seeing on social media and stuff like that it kind of like made me really kind of like face myself right Um, and it was kind of like you know what, dude like and you know I had to be real with myself like you know I had it's like, bro, you have,
3: you've had, you need to be dry docking overall. Yes, you know, it's just yes like, right. You have stuff. And, and That's why <laughs> I was saying it was just like it was kind of interesting to like talk about like you know the whole thing about like mental health and COVID. Yes. Because like I put myself in a situation where like I was looking at my, myself in the mirror and doing like a whole bunch of
6: just like self reevaluating. Yes. And it's just like you know,
2: I to be honest, like I got to a certain point where it's just like you know, I, like. When you get to the point where
6: you look in the mirror and it's just like I don't like you, yes, you know
2: what I mean? yes, it's, you
6: do. Like it's like you do
2: this whole self tear down, yes. I mean? And it's just like I,
3: like, and that's why like I kind of like when
6: like I'm in the process of writing this album, but like the 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 album whole theme
2: and it might be the end yeah. the title of the album called Erase Yourself. Cause that's I kind like, of, like that.
6: What I did. Yes. And, and, and erase yourself sounds cool This is kind of like
0: you know okay what is that about you know so it's probably a much better choice than going with like toxic white male or something right yes of course <laughs> yes yes <laughs> much more uh, artistically vague and yeah I understand yeah <laughs> but so, so basically like you know I, I like I looked at
6: the mirror and it was just like you know what you need like this is your opportunity to be more you know um, honest with yourself and um with your friends, your family, your audience, and everything else like that, just be you 100% of the time. Don't worry about whether you're oppressing somebody. There's no need for you to like, you know, flaunt
2: your intelligence or be arrogant, right? Stuff like that. Like, you know, just take a step back and just be yourself. Just be. Yes. Your, you know what I mean? Like,
6: and be secure in yourself. And the more that you do that, the less that you're going to find yourself like, you know, in this nonsense on social media. So like, you know, that's been a, a huge growing point for me
0: that makes a lot of sense and the other question too is like how satisfying is it i already know i'm working on an album too and i think how satisfying is it to be creating something that's true to your experience in life where you almost don't even care about the reception like as much as you can because everybody cares to an extent but the reception is almost irrelevant to the fact that you're encapsulating a reality about yourself putting it into art and then putting it out into the world like how satisfying is that? Because I, I think it's, it's really satisfying. It's, well, I mean, it's it's,
6: it's incredibly satisfying, but it's, it can also be a very painful process as well. Right. You know I mean? um,
0: because the thing is, like when like when you
6: start writing your music in a way that is that is not as generic. Because like I was writing music and like for the longest time in a very generic way, and I didn't. You know, talk about you know the things that I was going through, or like you know what had made me
2: sad personally or anything else like that. It right. Just like always, just like write this so somebody else can, you know, identify with it. Got you. Don't get too personal with it. Yes. And there's like you know there's two songs that I had written
6: when I was like in a really really bad place, and um, one was called Broken Into, uh-huh. and another one um, is called Find a Way or Fly Away. It's, it's, titles are, are um, alternating, but like I wrote, I put those songs on my SoundCloud and people were like, dude, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, yes. Yeah. And, just, and then you got to kind of like, you got to tell people like, <laughs> yes. know, this is art. Yes. It's art. It's all it is. You know what I mean? Don't yes. freak out. Don't yes. Think, yeah. Like I'm expressing stuff that like I'm dealing with still yes. like, and stuff that I've never dealt with. There are things that like I've suppressed. It's like you know and and it's i was it's funny because like I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, and it's, and it's like sometimes you suppress them right and Yes. it's just like you have your own demons or or like things from the past that you like you know you've never
3: dealt with, and you know it's like just
6: because you put them away and you have this facade you know what I mean like you think that you're good and you think that you're fine and you'll 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 if you keep yourself distracted enough that stuff will go away but it never goes away completely and like when you find
0: yourself in a bad place like you're gonna be faced with your demons and you're gonna find out that like you know while they were gone they were pumping iron yes yes and they're gonna hit you harder yes good point
6: (laughs) good point like they come through the door like remember us they're
0: like twice back you're like oh my god what's like (laughs) yes yes oh dude like oh what am i doing here so it's like
3: so it is so it is very satisfying to
6: you know do music that's a lot more honest and a lot more personal but it's 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 it forces you to go through uh, like i mean really it's just the way that i look at it is like when you're a deep person or
2: when you're an artist you feel more than the average person right that's just something i stand by some people will
6: be like well that's not true it's like no when when you are an artist whether you're a painter whether you're um you know, whether you make statues or, or right. anything else like that. If you have a creative mind, you, by default, feel emotions deeper than a lot of other people.
2: I agree with you that. Yes. I mean? Yes.
6: And you're just going to go through things that a lot of other people who are more desensitized or aren't as creative could probably get through a lot easier than you. But yes. But because you feel so much, it's going to be a lot harder for you just to get through that. So, like, yes. you know, you have to use your art in order to help you get through it. Yes.
0: Yes that's a great point that's, that's a great point now two more questions first one is tell us a little about your process like do you get an instrumental uh, do you how do you go through like do you have a, a lyrical idea then you search for something that fits it do you I mean what's your creative process like
6: it's, just, it's kind of it's evolved over the years um, when I first started writing music um, I would just write bars just to write bars right and I would be like like perfect example, like when I was in Los Angeles, when I was at Los Angeles Harbor College, which is like a community college before I went to Cal State.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I like you know I was in class a lot of the times, and like I just didn't didn't really care that much right. about like
6: whatever was going on because like I could just I was just one of those kids that could just be lazy, study for the last week, and then still ace the final exam. Yes. I didn't care, yes. You know? Yes. And you know i would just be in class and i would just write bars just to write bars i would come up with punch lines i would like come up with like the, okay what's the
2: comparison here what's a good metaphor okay and I, yes. and I would
6: write everything backwards you know what i mean i would yep. come up with the punchline first and then i would come up with the setup and i would do like songs that were just basically full of punch lines because like i was very heavily influenced by artists like copyright Yes. And, yes. You know other artists that were just like very, very punchline heavy and very unapologetic about. It. Yes. <laughs> As I got older, um, and I became a lot more like artistic and like wanted to convey more of a message than just like a whole bunch of battle rap songs every. Yes. Um, I stopped just writing to write, and I switched to okay, I'm not going to write unless there's a purpose, and the beat has to tell me there's a purpose. So my writing mode pretty much since when I was in my late 20s was, here's your instrumental. And like, you know, I listen to the instrumental and if it hits me a certain way, i will be like, okay, here's the concept. And then
2: I come up with the chorus and then I come up with the verse, right? Yes. The first verse that I come up with
6: is usually going to be my most powerful. So it ends up being my third verse.
2: Makes because
6: sense. It conve- because it, you know, it just, it brings
2: everything together. And then like the next two verses I write are right are going to be the first and second right um,
6: but whenever I hear a song like it's like if you like every single one of my songs on my SoundCloud um, has a story behind it and like you know it always started out with me listening to it and going oh that's what this is about and then essentially writing the song backwards I've always written everything backwards like I never started with a verse and then came up with a chorus later like I, right. I, I never do that it's chorus first verse
0: Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. His yeah. the chorus kind of is the theme and spirit of the song. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's your process. Now, now, final question. And actually, you've inspired me. I'll talk to you about it later. But actually, I'm going to release this as a whole show, which is like a three hour show. But then I'm going to probably start doing, like, I'll cut the interview just out too i'll leave the interview for the full show but then release it as an interview because i think the interview was dope and i think it's something else i could do is like interview people you know and like put the interviews out too, standalone because this is a dope interview for any artist i think would hear it and, and like relate to it so it's dope but final question is you pick whatever song from your soundcloud you want me to play going out going out on in the show and that's what i'm going to play going out
3: all right we'll- We'll, we'll keep
6: it accessible so um i think that um since you started out with fireflies which i which like you know I, i'm not surprised because you know it's a very jazzy type of <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah like it's, it's a very it's a so it's very very chill and jazzy so i'm not surprised that you you played fireflies <laughs> like that, that sounds like it's something that would be right up your alley
2: yes um, <laughs>
6: The cool thing about that song, like, um, what for just so just so
2: people understand, like, yeah. I was legit in my backyard and um, I was
6: listening to the beat and I saw fireflies in the backyard. This was like back in like
2: 2018. It's dope. And yeah, and I was I, like, I caught a buzz and I was just like, I had just gotten hired and you know things were looking up for me after like having a really really rough year. Like rough year. And, um, yes.
6: You know, I was just like so grateful to be alive, and I was just like fireflies, grateful to be alive. Boom, I have a song.
0: Yes, know? and I pictured so, that too. So that's that. It makes sense. It conveyed the feeling.
6: Yeah. So um, I guess what we can do is we can go out with uh, name. Name is basically uh, it's a song about like when you. Cause everybody, everybody has this like you know certain moment in time. Um, sometimes it happens more than others, but like you know. It's not like it's you know calling it love at first sight is kind of kind of
2: cliche, uh-huh. but there's some times where like you know like as a man right, you will see a woman who is so damn beautiful, uh-huh. right? Yes, that you're given pause.
6: You just you're you're kind of you kind of stop in your
2: tracks a little bit, just like oh, you yes, know what I mean? and. This, that particular song
6: is basically about, like, you know, you look at someone and, like, you see all these beautiful things about them and it inspires you to write poetry and say all these beautiful things and everything else like that. And they're just across the room. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. You're,
6: not, you're like, you're not even having a conversation, but you're looking at them and you're like, God dang it.
0: <laughs> Yes. we all been there. Yes. Yes. So that's okay
6: the, that's the whole thing behind name so we can go out with name. Name is good name will be a good one to uh, you know end the uh, show out and it'd be a good positive way to end the evening in an otherwise unsure and chaotic
3: world.
0: Great way to put it. Thanks for coming on bro. I hope you'll call in just regularly too like you have before just to talk about yeah. stuff. but dope interview. I'm gonna share your link as an artist too. We know we're collabing on my project. I'm excited about it. I'm a fan of you as an artist It's just you have a lot of dope creative music And I really appreciate the insight Learned a lot of things about you I didn't know Which I think is just dope And I think you just shed a lot of light On a lot of different things that people could could build on And learn from So I appreciate you coming on brother I'm going to play that song to go out And we will talk to you soon man
6: I appreciate you having me Shout out to everybody out there in the world Everybody, All the love in the world All the strength that you need to get through this time You know Bless your families. Bless everybody that you know. Bless everybody. Let's just get through this together. Let's try to unify no matter what you believe. Let's try and, like, you know, give her the toxicity in our lives. And let's all strive to be better people and thrive.
0: All right? Awesome. Well said, brother. Later. Yeah. Well, that was Dan Spafford, man. I mean, just a great interview. That's something I'm going to do going forward, I think, is have... I'll have the interview embedded in the show, but then do the standalone interview. Because, a lot you know, a lot of hosts do that, and I think... You know, we have some just cool diverse people uh that are out here. So um it's just cool. So I'm going to go out on the song name um by the Peace Paradox and the Peace Paradox is a is is Dan's band, one man band I should say. Uh we're going to go out on that and I will share the link soon. The quality is going to be the quality because it's coming off my computer, but I'll share the SoundCloud. You could vibe with it whenever. Um, he's got a project he's working on, uh, which you heard the ins and outs of. I'm looking forward to the album. I'll be promoting the album. I'll be promoting the SoundCloud. So make sure you stay tuned to a dope artist, a dope Jersey artist with a lot of deep insight. I'll go out on that. I will see you all next week. Uh, and blessings to all of you. I hope you had a good Friday night. It was a long show, but it was a great show. Uh, and, I, you know, I love spending time with you guys. So I'll see you next week. And here is the Peace Paradox with Name good night.
4: This just here coincidentally, akin to looking at a mansion that you want to live in, except that you ain't got the pockets in this competition, and opposition, I would honor you with compositions, but you're probably probably the pockets of a politician yeah, looking like professionals who's dressing you, walk up at the vestibule, essentially impress the room, you got me contemplating, getting on some B.I.G. shit, Ask you what your interests are, and who you be with not being nosy, I'm just wondering where your path goes, cause I can help you smile, and you can help me let the past go, a small confession I'm in need of your affection, and you I Perfection and I don't even know your name The graces with your presence, yeah. Such utter flawlessness, so graceful in its essence. So many thoughts without a way of really saying them. But I'm just happy being here and taking in the radiance. No sort of ocean could ever douse the flame of this passion and entrapment. And now I, I don't, don't even know you are there.
0: What's your prediction?
1: I mean, as of now, again, and, and I urge like caution with the, all your viewers, of course. But mm-hmm. I mean, as of now, I mean, I would I would still give Biden the advantage. Um, I have it right now. Let me let me check to see what my mm-hmm. final tally is. I I have it 279 right now. Well, for Biden plus buyout um, in North Carolina and Arizona which would put it at 305. So my final um, prediction is basically it's 305, and then I have um, um, the only state I, I didn't characterize
3: is